Good morning, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Batter Round. Coming to you from a very cold, on a very cold Saturday morning here on January 15th, 2022. Uh, my name is Paul Valley. That's Zach Goodman. He's my co-host today. Thank you for tuning into the Batter Round. Today's show brought to you by Live Casino and Hotel. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. And join Glenn Clark and the NFL chick Sarita Hubbard next Sunday, January 23rd at the FanDuel Sportsbook to hang out and watch the day's first playoff game at 3. I might have to do that. Do it. Go ahead. You're <laughs> do in, it. You, yeah. you were invited. You're, you're, you're like, you won't do it. No. The way you said do it, you won't do you it. Sh- you should do it. It'd be fun. Yeah. Well, welcome to the Bat Around. Zach, how are you this morning? Not bad. It, it's really cold. I, I got in my car. I could see my breath the whole, like the, half the way until it warmed up. It was crazy, crazy cold. I think it was 15 degrees when I got in my car this morning. When I left to go to the gym this morning, it was... You went to the gym before this? Yeah. I, That's I, commitment. I did, um, did some high-intensity interval training. That's commitment. Um, the power went out. Mm. While I was on the treadmill, so I had to go upstairs to the indoor track and finish up up there. But it was 19 degrees mm-hmm. when I left my house to go do that, and then 17 degrees when I left the gym to come here. And I, it stayed 17 degrees the entire way. I'm impressed you went to the gym before a 10 o'clock show. That, that, I mean, that's, that's a lot of commitment right there. I'm impressed I, with that. I, 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 do, I do that three days a week. Okay. And then uh, twice a week I get up at 7.45 and I ride the Peloton, mm, which, early. Is, which is hard. The Peloton is hard, man. Do not have one. I, I saw Laura tweeting about it a couple times that she, she bought one, so that's pretty so, cool. So Laura bought one. Um, we did not discuss it. <laughs> <laughs> nice, but, nice. But, guys, that's, that's kind of how it goes. If I want to make a big purchase, I kind of got to let Laura know. If she wants to make a per- big purchase, she just does it and then tells me that she did. <laughs> uh, which, hey, is, which is fine. She, she's paying for it. Um, but you money, get to use it, so it's great. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I definitely use it. Um, I'll tell you, man, I, I work out my legs pretty hard. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, I, yeah. I, I can squat a you're, fair you're amount. You're a fit guy. Yeah. The Peloton kicks my butt. Really? It okay. kicks my butt. A 20-minute ride and my quads are on fire mm. by the end of it. Is, is that the one where you have like the, the instructor telling you what to do and they're, Dude, telling and you, they're, they're yelling super, at you like, push it, push it, and all that stuff? They're yeah. super motivating. Yeah. They are, I've only uh, – the one, Kendall Tool. Uh, <laughs> Ken, Kendall Tool? Interesting. Uh, um, she has the same music taste that I okay. do. So, like, she has a 20-minute metal ride, which I love, because that's all I listen to when I work out. Okay. You know what I mean? She had a 20-minute, t- uh, a or 30-minute 80s ride, and a 20-minute oh. 90s ride, and, like, all, and, like, anybody can play music from those generations, yeah. or not generations, but from th- those time periods, um, but she plays all the songs that I like. And she just does it well. She just, yeah. yeah and, okay. and she's super motivating, although... Okay. The metal ride. <laughs> I'm in the first five minutes. It's a seven-minute warm-up for a 20-minute ride. So you know how intense this ride is going to be. The entire time she's sitting mm. there, she's like, this is going to be one of the hardest things you've ever done on a bike. Oh, that's good and to know. She keeps, going into it. And she keeps saying it. She's like, get ready. Get ready. And I was like, you know what? This is like my fifth <laughs> ride. I'm not ready. <laughs> so I quit. There you go. <laughs> and I did a different ride that I, that I thought would be significantly easier, and it was still hard. Okay. So, uh, that's Paul's fitness journey yep. and story Pel- today. You should be on one of those Peloton commercials. I think they would love to have you. Love yeah, to have you. I, I, would lo- I would love to be had. Yeah, you should be had. <laughs> if, if, if that's a thing. <laughs> It'd be great. Anyway, thanks for indulging us uh, as we go off on a tangent here. But uh, So, Zach, not much news with the Orioles this week, huh? 
I mean, more than I expected, I'll say that. Yeah, more right. than I expected. Right. Um, so, for those who don't know, or if you've been living under a rock, um, <laughs> the Orioles moved the left field fence back. Uh, they've decided to move it back by as much as 30 feet mm-hmm. in some locations. Um, I heard the number, by the way. The official number is 26. That's what I heard this morning. I, I can't remember who posted that, but 26 is apparently so the number. So, it used to be 364 mm-hmm. to the gap. And now it's 400. Yeah. That's 36 feet. Oh, okay. I guess maybe it will. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe... I, I know Mike Elias talked about on the Zoom call that maybe that the the uh, feet that were actually on the wall weren't exactly correct. He said something about that. Oh, really? Yeah. So maybe... Or maybe it's just, you know, really close to being correct. I'm not sure, you know, the exact specifics of it. But he made some kind of uh, inclination towards that. But I don't well, know. But, but then again, it could be... Um, that the left center field gap is a little bit further to the right than I'm thinking. Like maybe, maybe, maybe yeah. So three sixty because it's four hundred. I was going to say to, ma- to the far corner, yeah. where that wonky ninety degree angle is. Mm-hmm. It's it's four hundred, and then it's I don't know what you the the left of left center gap if that makes sense because down the line it stayed three thirty three. Yeah, it's still three three thirty three to the foul pole. And then they, it's a drastic push back. The next measurement is 384. 384, yeah. Then the next measurement is 400. And then there's a 90-degree angle. It's a 20-foot wall, basically, that comes back in, um, back down to 380 at that marker. And then it goes back out in the other dimensions. The rest of the field stayed the, stayed the same. And, look, a lot of people have – and also, the new left field wall is 12 feet tall rather than uh, 7 feet tall. Here's the thing. People are like, oh, they're not going to be able to rob home runs anymore. Where do you see the all the home run robberies that I like specifically remember are in center field and right center yeah. field. I don't I, like th- I know that there's home run robberies in left field and I've seen some. The Jackie Bradley Jr. robbery of Trey Mancini which center is, field. It, it, yeah. was in center field. Yeah. The 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 um Mike Trout robbery was in center field. The Cedric Mullins robbery was in center field. I remember Nick Markakis um robbing what would have been a walk-off home run from Scott, uh, not Scott Budson, A.J. Pierzynski, where Gary Thorne, in my opinion, famously said, oh, no, <laughs> he caught it. and But that happened in right center field. Mm-hmm. The, the, the famous home run robberies, with the exception of Mike Devereaux in, like, 1992, mm-hmm. have happened in center field and right center field. So I don't think we're missing out too much. And you're still going to see guys climb the wall and take away doubles. I, I think if that's your takeaway from this whole thing, oh, we're not going to see home run robberies anymore. Really, like right. something that I mean, how many how many actually happen per year? Right. And, and that's and that's A obviously handful. right, and that's obviously why they're so special and why people want to see them is because they rarely happen. But is it really something you're gonna you know, really get upset over? I've seen a lot of people really upset over this whole change, and I'm just going, guys, is it really that big of a deal? Uh, Matt Matt, <laughs> Matt Kremnitzer, uh, he keeps hilarious he, guy. He, he keeps yeah. posting stuff like like. Camden Yards, top one uh, <laughs> field in baseball. <laughs> Change the left field wall. Yeah. Bottom one field in baseball. Like, like he, he keeps yeah, saying it, stuff like tongue-in-cheek because people are freaking out yeah, about this. It's, it's not that big of a deal. It, it's an absolute meltdown. And, it's and an it, absolute meltdown. And if you, like, it's going to help your pitching staff. Right. It, like, Jordan Lyles gave up. What was it? Thirty-eight home runs last Wasn't year. Wasn't it most in the in the entire league? I think it was. Yeah, he gave it the most. He, he threw one hundred and eighty innings, which is like fifth in the league. But he gave up the most home runs in the league. Right. And he's he's left. He's a lefty, right? 
I don't know. I, I think that mo- I think that they have a, a, a pretty left-handed starting rotation, and I think that Jordan Lyles is. De- he is a righty. Oh, he's a righty. Righty. Okay. Okay. He's a, okay. So he's a righty. But anyway, he still gave up a ton of home runs. This is only going to help him. Only going to help your 100%. team. Hundred percent. As far as the pitching is concerned, and that's where the big question is: How big of an offensive drop off are we going to see? Uh, and how how impacted is Ryan Mountcastle and Austin Hayes going to be? Right. Um, Your two best pool hitters. Right. You you look at those guys, and look, it's still 333 down the line, so they can still wrap a cheapie around around the pole. And the other thing is, Ryan Mountcastle doesn't really hit cheap home runs. No. That that dude hits bombs. Hayes more so than Mountcastle. Yeah, yeah but even still, Hayes will hit one 460. Sure. I mean, he can crush you know, it, too. If, yeah. if you get one into the power alley, all right, Chances are, if you hit it well enough to be a home run at Camden Yards before, it's probably now. There are some that are wall scrapers. Those are the ones where you see the robberies, right? But if you, but th- those are still generally to the right of where we're talking about. Mm-hmm. But if you get one into the power alley and you get into it, four hundred feet, that ball's going over anyway. Right. Exactly. You know. So for me, is the tr- and, and you might see. So maybe Mount Castle isn't a forty homer. 30 double guy maybe mm-hmm. he's a 30 homer 40 double guy mm-hmm. right and i would i would love to see cedric mullins hit one into the opposite hit one to the opposite field sure. and have it roll into that corner sure. there oh yeah that's you know and, and see if he can get to third base right you know it's it's i don't really have an issue with it i, I with it i think that the wall is wonky we covered this a l- longer than i think glenn wanted to yesterday um it's i just like it's not a big deal it, it, That's my like, takeaway like, too. Like people, are, there might be an injury, but you have an injury with a normal wall. Sure. I mean, we saw Bryce Harper run face first into a wall. We saw. We saw. A there guy was a guy this year who th- ran this fa- year. Was it with the Athletics? I can't remember exactly. Uh, but we, what we saw, um, Marisnik, Jay Marisnik. Oh, Jake Marisnik. That's what it was. J- yep. Jake Marisnik a couple of years ago against the Orioles. He ran face first into mm-hmm. a wall. Like, mm-hmm. like this stuff happens all the time, regardless. Now, the one thing that I do that I will say is like say that. Maybe for some reason they have Ryan Mountcastle playing left field one mm-hmm. day, and there's a ball hit to the gap, and Cedric Mullins is running after it, and then he has to run, and he looks over, and he sees this corner, yeah. and he has to turn around the corner to get to that ball. But a ball that's hit there, if it's going to be caught, it should be caught by the left right. fielder anyway. I mean, that's left field. Uh, I'm not going to say it isn't weird. If you look at the renders that the Orioles sent out yesterday, it looks a little weird. I'm not going to lie. But there are a lot of ballparks around baseball that have very similar features. We, we were talking about this before the show, but Minute Maid Park in Houston has a very similar feature. PNC Park in Pittsburgh has a very similar feature. P- PNC it, Park is gorgeous. And it's a beautiful park. Right. And left field looks a little wonky there. It is. It's not the most perfect looking one. And it's got somewhat of a high wall and it looks a little different. And people don't care because the place looks amazing. And Camden Yards is still going to look amazing. People are, I, I think, very worried about changing the beauty of Camden Yards because it is so classic and it just looks so um, you know incredible from every angle and I think people are worried about changing that and people are always scared of change when it comes to anything yeah. I think you look at that um, you know a lot, especially like a lot of the older Oriole fans when Mike Elias took over were scared of the change that he might bring and I think there's a lot of that that you're seeing here that people are just scared to see Camden Yards change at all but I think this has been needed for many years I mean if you look across baseball and not, there really isn't another ballpark except maybe Yankee Stadium that has this kind of effect on hitters. It just isn't really the way the modern game is with fences this short. And I just I think, think it had to be changed. I think the number was something like 72 more home runs at Camden Yards since it opened than any other ballpark. Yeah, and, in, and that's in including baseball. Yankee, which is crazy. Yeah, and I, I, they, they lost 1,000 seats mm-hmm. by, by doing this. 
Um, I really want to buy one, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah I, th- I think it's gonna, they're going to be auctioned off a charity. Sounds they're like they're going to go for a pretty penny pie more yeah. than than Zach Goodman has as a twenty probably college student. probably. Um, but you don't remember this because you weren't around in the mid nineties when the Orioles were in the playoffs in ninety six and ninety seven. They put bleachers on top of the right field scoreboard. I've seen pictures of it. Yeah, yeah they, they put bleachers out there. So when the Orioles get good again, and for me it's a, for some people it's an if, for me it's a when. Yeah. When the Orioles get good again and they're back in playoff contention, if they want those extra seats, they can just put those bleachers right back up on top of that scoreboard. Easily. Right. You know, and it's something that they didn't do in 2012, 2014, 2016 when they made the playoffs. They didn't put the, those bleacher seats mm-hmm. on top. They can easily just bring those back. Easily. Now, unless it's a safety thing or whatever. I, I don't know how that works. Maybe that's why they stopped doing it. But losing a 1,000 seats to make your ballpark more competitive. And what people... People... The, 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 the joke is that the Orioles pitching is so bad that rather than get better, they just decide to move the fences. And, mm-hmm. and, and look, I get it. <laughs> I get it. Your team gave up like... Your team gave up 258 home runs last year. In 2019, I believe, they gave up over 300. So, I get it. However, when I first got wind of this story, my initial reaction was, this is a preemptive strike to be able to lure free agent pitchers here. I mean, that's what it is. That's exactly how I took it. Yeah. Because Dan Conley was very adamant about this. If free agent pitchers don't want to come here... Unless unless you're giving them a Max Scherzer type deal, they don't want to come here because it could impact their stats and it could impact their yeah. next contract. And people got upset with Dan Connolly for saying that, but he's one hundred percent correct. One hundred percent correct. Right. Three sixty four to the gap is absurd. Right. It's short. That's very very, very short. short. You shouldn't be able to hit a ball three hundred sixty eight feet to left center field and round, and round the bases for it. It's like in right field with Yankee Stadium, where there's just some pop ups sometimes that guys hit. And this is you know it helps the Orioles sometimes too. Mount Castle, I'm sure he reached thirty home runs because of this. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you hit a ball and it doesn't actually go that far, but you get lucky because the fences are so short. And it had to be changed. They're, they they really need that competitive. Uh, edge there for their pitching. I really think yeah, and I don't even think it gives them a competitive edge. I think it takes away a competitive disadvantage that they've That's been a at good way for, to put for, for 30 years, right? Because th- they're basically now in line with the with the average of the ballparks yeah. around baseball. Yeah. I'm not sure I recall seeing a 400-foot gap, uh, a 400-foot distance yeah. to the gap in left center field. I think that's a little deep, but whatever, man. If you If you hit a ball with power to the gap... Chances are it's going to go over 400 feet anyway. Or you hit it on a line where it wouldn't climb over the fence regardless and you got to double out of it anyway. Yep. And with that wall now, how many times are we going to see a ball hit the back wall, hit the side wall, go back past the left fielder, and then you end up having a triple out of yeah. it? You know, so look, I'm not going to be an apologist here. I would have liked to have not seen the 90-degree angle wall. But I can't get upset about something that I feel like is ultimately going to help the Orioles in the long run. And, exactly. And this isn't the first time that they've moved the walls. Now, they only did it one other time. It was in 2001. Um, they moved, And they didn't move the wall. They moved home plate back seven feet, mm-hmm. which made it deeper. Uh, I remember it being 340 down the line. I... Um, and your your team, I don't know if this was a direct impact or it says that the Orioles were so bad, but the team leader in home runs in 2001 when they moved home plate back seven feet, Jay Gibbons and Chris Richard each hit 15 home runs. Yeah. 
So it's pretty rough. Yeah, it was like I, I think it was a, the fourth or fifth lowest total, or the wow. fourth or fifth time in in franchise history dating back to 1954 where the home run leader had less than 20 home runs. That's got to be almost an MLB record where you have your your team leader hit 15. I mean, it, that's... It, it, it's it's not because you go back to the early 1900s oh, true, true. With the de- in the dead ball era. But at least and, in the modern era, that's got to be someone up there. And in 1954, there. the Orioles team leader hit eight home runs. Wow. Uh, wow. And then the next year, it was Gus Triandos, and he hit mm. 12. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it's in the live Game ball. Has in the live ball era, yeah, that's got to be uh, that's got to be down there with uh, the lo- some of the lowest totals. But but that's a you know what you just said is a perfect example of why it was important for the Orioles to change the Camden Yards as it is because the game is changing. Guys are hitting with more distance and more power, and you're giving them you know you're giving pitchers such a disadvantage with a wall that's so short uh, and so close up with the guys that have so much power that you're facing every day. I mean, guys like John Carlos Stanton can hit the ball 500 feet any day of the year. So it's it's just it's a necessary movement with the way the game is changing. Well, yeah, you you have. John Carlos Stanton, Aaron Judge, you have those um, guys weren't around Vl- in the fifties. Vladdy, Vladdy Guerrero Jr. Right, coming into your ballpark, licking their chops. Right, because a guy like John Carlos Stanton, he can hit a pop up, and with the way that, exactly. with, with the dimensions, that, the way that they were um, until now, it would it could go out. At Camden Yards, I, I, right. I've seen him hit balls that look like pop ups. I remember seeing Mark Reynolds hit balls that balls that look like pop ups, and they went over the fence. Mm-hmm. It's it's something that had to be done to stay competitive in the American League yep. East and to stay competitive in baseball. And it's not like their walls are deeper than everybody else's. They are now in tune with the average of every right. other stadium in baseball. It's the average. So, the, uh, and, and believe me, the Orioles have run their statistical models, and they've clearly showed themselves that this is going to benefit the Orioles in the long run. I guarantee you that they probably, well, I, I don't want to say probably, because they did do this. They went back and they looked at what happened in 2021. They fed it all into the the um, you know the, the models that they have, the Sigma Dell models. And they said, if we move this wall back, is it going to positively affect our hitters and positively affect our pitchers? And you know, does this equate to more wins? And I guarantee you the answer is yes, and that's why they decided to do oh, it. Oh, 100%. And I'm, I'm sure that they took their best hitters mm-hmm. and they looked at the average distance of their home runs to left field, and they said, all right, this is the, the place that we can put the wall that's going to help our pitching staff but not hurt our our Like that perfect balance, right? Yeah. The, uh, you, these guys are so analytically driven. There's no way that they didn't find, like the in their mind, the perfect number, like that, that sweet spot. Right, and that this equates to more wins. I mean, that's that's the overall or, overarching analysis of this, is that it's going to equate to more wins for the Orioles. That's yeah, how they see it. For sure. Now, so if the Orioles go out this year, and look, they're not going to win more than they lose. That's no. just not going to be a thing this year. But let's say that the Orioles go out there and win 78 games this year, and that, that will be like, it, that's not going to happen either. But if the Orioles go out and win 78 games, are you going to be like, yeah, but that wall... <laughs> I just looks hard. No, it's it's just a bad look for baseball. Exactly. No, you're gonna say, "Holy crap! The Orioles just won 78 games. Maybe they can do something next year." Right. You're not gonna care. And Jordan Lyles had an ERA of you know three seven five. I mean, you look at that kind of stuff, and he gave up less home runs than he did last year, and he threw as many innings. That's the kind of stuff you look at. And you go, "Okay, that's the positive effects." Of this. And, and John Means gave up more home runs than anybody in the American League. I think the second half of the season mm-hmm. uh, when he came back from his injury. So. This, the ball in the, the Kyle Lewis hit, we t- we've talked about this on, on GCR a little bit, the ball that Kyle Lewis hit in the no-hitter, Yep, that's a home run at Camden Yards. Every day. <laughs> can, can you imagine John Means giving up a fly ball like that? That's a home run to ruin his, his no-hitter. Uh, right. It, it's just, 
and he even said that he he was like I'm so glad that I did that on the road because right. that would that would have been it would have ruined the no hitter and the shutout. So look, I, I feel like this is going to help the Orioles in the long run. Right now, it's change and rabble, rabble, rabble. We don't like change. Well, Angelos. I mean, all, all those yeah, guys are coming yeah, out of the woodwork. Yeah, yeah. Oh, gotta love the people that that come after Angelos, like not realizing he hasn't been running the team for four years. Right. <laughs> it's always funny to see that, and yeah. people come after Elias for this. And I'm going, guys, this is not nobody. No one person made this final decision. This is a ball club making the decision, and you can't attack Elias. You can't attack Angelos. You can't attack anyone. Because, I mean, you can, but you look stupid. Right. And it's just it's just not factual. That's the way I look at it. It's just not you. You can't really attack someone for doing this because this is a team. They clearly saw that this would equate to more wins that's it that's yeah. what it, it is what it is otherwise they wouldn't have done it right exactly if they were like oh this isn't going to make a drastic difference they wouldn't have done it i mean it's going to cost them a lot of money this is yeah. not cheap <laughs> yeah so and, and, and that's the other thing guys everybody thinks the orioles are cheap hey that's you a good point you don't build 25 million dollar dominican academies and make serious renovations to your ballpark Correct. now the, I, I think they have some help from the maryland stadium authority i'm I, sure I, yeah i mean yeah, they, they do own the stadium so yeah yeah actually I, i'm I don't want to speak out of turn with this, but I, I wouldn't be surprised to learn that this is completely funded by the Maryland Stadium Authority. I, I, I think that that's how this stuff works. Um, but I'm not positive, so don't don't quote me on yeah. that. Uh, either way, what the Orioles are doing, ah, man, I just the people that don't believe in Elias, okay, it, it's true he hasn't done anything at the major league level. But that right? was to that, be expected at this but, point. But right. everything else that he said he was going to do, he's done. He's done. You have an international pipeline. You mm-hmm. have an, or, or, or you have the number one farm system in baseball. You have you're in the active in the international pipeline. You have a Dominican academy that you're building for twenty five million dollars. Yep. Everything that he said he was going to do, he's doing now. The next thing is putting a winning product on the ball field, and, and that's the real test. That's yeah. And, and is he going to be able to do that? And is Brandon Hyde going to be around when that happens? Yeah. I, I find it, and, and, and I'm. We're gonna call Stan in just a few minutes, but I I find it um, weird that they would bring him back for one more year without giving him an opportunity to really show how he can manage a game with talent. To, to me, I, I I look at this. I don't expect the Orioles to make their team into a contender this year, mm-hmm. but I expect them to give him the talent, which I, I think is one of the reasons why they signed Jordan Lyles. Mm-hmm. The unique competence starting pitching. But they they also showed a little bit of a willingness to spend some money. Maybe they'll actually give him something that he can put on the field and have a chance to win, and that'll be his real evaluation. Maybe that starts this year. Maybe the Orioles feel that this year the talent level is going to be significantly higher in the major leagues, that Brandon Hyde actually has something to work with. You get a guy like for $7 million, like Jordan Lyles, uh, and you say, okay, that's a competent starting pitching uh, guy compared to what we've had in the past with a Tom Eshelman or a Wade LeBlanc or whoever it may be. Um, and they say, okay, we're looking a little more competent this year. Let's Let's give Brandon Hyde one more test and see what he looks like. And that's the biggest thing with that. Um, Do we ever get the terms on the extension he got? It, it, it was one year. It was just one year. Okay. Yeah, they, they, I had heard that he had maybe had an option for this year, but it turned out it was just an extension. Then he just signed an extension. It was just a one-year extension. I want to say one more thing about Camden Yards, though. All the people who think the Orioles are moving, they just spent you know, millions and millions of dollars to uh, to amend Camden Yards, and you really think they're going to leave that? Why would they spend all that money if they're going to leave in two years? That makes no sense. Right. Makes right. none. And, and th- that's – and we, we talked about that a little bit with Stan last week, and he didn't – he wasn't really having it mm-hmm. um, because he knows that the team's not moving. Sure. And, and we, you and I both know the team's not moving. Sure. But there's still people that, are, that will still put it out there. Well – I'll see you guys in Nashville. I've seen it on Twitter 15 times this week already. Right. <laughs> and, and, like, why would they spend that kind of money on a ballpark? Right. Why would they spend that kind of money on Dominican Academy? 
why would they be? Why would they sign a six-year deal with ninety-eight Rock if they plan on moving the club? Exactly. It's, it, it's, it's just. It's just you, false. You, you use your head here, folks. Uh, Today is also the first day of the international signing period. Or is expected to sign some young prospects by the names of Braylon Tavera, uh, Cesar Prieto, and Leonardo Arias. Zach, you said there's some other guys coming. There are the about seven others. Uh, three more confirmed. The three confirmed are shortstop Edwin Amparo uh, from the Dominican Republic, outfielder John Mata from Venezuela, uh, catcher Jose Naguera from Venezuela, and then rumored signings from Baseball America are outfielder Juan Carlos Martinez, right-handed pitcher Henry Tejada, shortstop uh, Ellis Cuevas, and then outfielder Thomas Sosa. Okay, and when when we get into Orioles banter, we're going to do uh, on the Orioles banter, uh, Dan Connolly put out a quiz for The Athletic about the Orioles and how you feel about the rebuild. Zach and I are going to do that quiz, but we're, I'm going to have Zach uh, talk about these um, these signings a little bit before we get into that, once we get into Orioles banter. Um, we also still have uh, Stan coming up here in just a matter of moments. We're going to have Nathan Ruiz from the, from, the, from the Baltimore Sun coming up here. Um, actually, yeah, go ahead and call him. Uh, we're going to have Nathan Ruiz coming up from the Baltimore Sun here at 11 o'clock and sounding off with Zach Goodman just after that. So a, a, a big and fun show for us. Two sides met for the CBA negotiations on Thursday. Nothing really came out of it, um, which was expected. Britt Giroli said the owners will never cede the six years of team control for a player, which is something I brought up with her earlier this week. And um, she basically said, yeah, that's not going to happen. Um, the, the owners are never going to, and I thought that that was going to be the biggest issue. I thought that it was going to be the biggest issue having, um, ha- having the players because the players want out from under team control earlier and they want to get paid earlier and hit free agency earlier. I think that there is going to be a minimum salary raise, uh, which is something that has happened, that, that has been talked about. It was actually proposed in this new CBA proposal where the minimum salary was, I, I think the, the major league baseball came um, with a proposal saying minimum salary six hundred thousand seven hundred thousand I'm assuming based on performance um, which major league baseball players association shot down um, mm-hmm. but a, a, a lot of things that were brought up that we're gonna talk about with Stan here in just a second that um that were that were no goes um and with that in mind let's just get let's 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 talk with Stan right now Stan good morning how are you today good morning how you doing we're, we're doing well we're doing well thanks for joining us today Um we were talking about the CBA negotiations, and these two sides met with nothing really coming from it on Thursday. Um, Major League Baseball pr- pr- proposed to remove arbitration process for Super Two players um, to pay them uh, to pay. It's it's a small group of Super Two players. It's basically players that have more than two years of experience, but less than three. But they got enough of that. Um, service time that they can be eligible for arbitration. So then rather than rather than forcing them into arbitration, they're going to pay them. They, they offered to pay them um, based on a formula, which I would imagine would be based on performance. The players shot that down. Um, the players shot down a lot of stuff. You were anticipating that. I mean, that how, I mean how, how big a deal would that be to begin with? I mean, they're, you know, you're talking about probably five to eight players a year or something like that. Yeah, that that I don't know about, but it was it was a significant thing in the article that uh, Evan Drellick put out um, okay. a- after the meetings. And basically, Stan, e- even if it's a handful of players, the players' association wants all of their guys paid um, correctly, and they 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 the players' association they want seven hundred seventy five thousand minimum salary that were raised to eight hundred seventy five thousand over the course right. of, of a deal. And the the Major League Baseball came in with six hundred thousand to seven hundred thousand, I guess, based on performance uh, for the right. league minimum. You didn't expect anything really to come from these meetings, correct? 
uh, I didn't, I didn't really know exactly, you know, after 42 days of, of, uh, no meetings and no proposals being, uh, you know, uh, switched back and forth, I didn't know exactly what to expect, but it doesn't sound like the, um, major league owners came in with any real sincere effort to, to move the ball. Yeah, it's. It, it, I, I guess that you, the that the point of the meetings is to get a feel for what you may be able to 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 do and what you're not going to be able to do. But it, from around the league, what we heard was there were very few people on others on either side that thought anything was going to come from these meetings, which makes you think why meet in the first place? Uh, if you uh, know that you propose, the, the only reason would be to gauge. What you can do? How much is? Yeah, how much? Got the, you got the public relations aspect. Of yeah, meeting. that's true. I mean, it, it really is a bad look to get to 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 do a lockout and then not have a meeting for forty two days. I mean, that's a bad look to begin with. So when you say, "What's the point of meeting?" Point of meeting is to just you know, uh, you hope you hope that you can get some momentum out of out of what you present. Uh, you know, again, it doesn't look like it was it was uh, the owner's best day at all. Stan, do you, do you think that the players came in almost expecting the owners to to have something that they didn't really want to hear? Because that's kind of the way I felt when I heard about all the stuff from Evan Drellich, Jeff Patson, all the different guys reporting on this. It, they made it sound like the players kind of came in just expecting to, to dislike the, the proposal. And I guess they, they did dislike the proposal because it's pretty far off from what they want. The two sides are very far apart. But how yep. do you feel about, you know, the, the uh, I guess the – the way the players are coming into this and feeling about this whole thing, is it a little too negative, do you feel? Well, I think they want some real substantive change, and there hasn't been any movement on that to date. You know, They want substantive right. change, and the owners sort of like things basically the way they are, yeah. and they haven't really nudged past it. You know, uh, I think a minimum salary, that issue, again, that should be very easy to to solve, you know. Yeah, I, I I agree that that should be easy to solve. Another thing that they're talking about both both sides are on the same page. I mean, you're not we're, talking about to to raise it from six hundred to seven hundred and seventy five thousand dollars is not again that much money when you figure out who you know how many players are affected by it each year, you know. Yeah, uh, uh, no, I, I agree. I think that that's something that they could easily come to an agreement on. I think that they could easily come to agreement on the the lottery for the for the draft. The, right. the, the, they both seem to be on the same page. They want to in, in, install a lottery for this draft. The Players Association wants it for the top eight picks. Major League Baseball wants it for the top three picks. How do you not just come to a compromise and say, fine, we'll do it for the top five picks? Like, why don't right. you just meet somewhere in the middle? I, I don't – and, and it's funny, Stan, because you said – they met for PR for the PR hit that they would take if they don't meet. But the whole thing is a PR hit when when you look at it because it's it's squabbling over things that really should be easily easy to for me anyway to figure out. I guess on the outside looking, when you're in the middle of it, maybe it feels diff. I guess it certainly feels different. But to me, these are issues that you should be able to find some middle ground, and they just aren't doing it. I I don't disagree with you. I don't disagree with you. Now, hopefully, I mean, the owners are going to have to, you know, the, you know what what happens in these games is it's a, a little bit of a case of uh, like chicken, you know, who's going to blink first, 
and the Players Association does not really appear that they're ready to blink. Uh, and the owners are betting on the clock, you know, starting to, you know, have players miss, you know, miss checks, um, you know, as it gets closer to that reality, they hope that the Players Association won't blink first. I don't think it's going to happen this time. I saw somebody um, use the analogy the other day on social media that, that, where they said, you know, when I was in college, I would have weeks to do a term paper, and I would wait till the night before to do the paper and get it done. Uh, and he said that that's basically what the, what these negotiations are, are, are That's exactly like. what this feels it, like. It's, you have all yeah, this well, time. That's, that's, that's basically what negotiations are all the yeah. time. Yeah, you, know. you have all this time to get it done, and they're going to wait till the last minute. With that in mind, what, what, where do you see them? What's the last minute to them is, I guess, what I'm asking. Is it just before spring training? Is it around March 1st, so they still get four weeks of spring training? Uh, and do we expect any regular season games to be – do you expect any regular season games to be impacted by this? I think the fact that they've made up such – you know, the, I mean, the one positive is we've we've – We've established that they sh- they really aren't that they shouldn't be that far apart on things. Yeah. You know, the super two issue shouldn't be that that big a deal. It doesn't affect that many players in any one season. The minimum salary doesn't seem like it should be that big an obstacle. So I mean that that's the positives is is that you know in two weeks from now, they could possibly like go, okay, let's check this box. Let's do just what you said. You know, let's meet in the middle on the lottery system. So it doesn't really take that long. But again, when you you deal with the psychology of what's going on, it, it really seems like it could be a while. Stan- and I, you know, I'm not ready to say, I'm not ready to say that uh, because these things can turn on a dime a little bit where all of a sudden they, you know, one side says, you know, hey, we're really getting down to uh, nut-crunching time here. So I'd say if nothing, if there's no movement in the next two weeks, I'd say we're real close then to losing some some games. Stan, I got an email last night that made me think about things a little bit. I got an email from the Orioles where they're essentially saying that spring 2022 – Training spring tw- training twenty twenty two tickets are on sale starting today right. at ten a.m. Right. Do you think it's telling at all that they're sending out emails trying to get people to buy their tickets with the dates you know of February twenty sixth as the first game? Is that at all you know? Does that inspire any confidence in you at all? Not really. Okay. Not really. Yeah, they they were. Sending I, I just don't, I don't. Do you expect an awful lot of people right now to be making plans? You know to. To you know, to lay out a couple thousand dollars for tickets and a hotel and airfare, I think everybody's paused on all that. But they they can't. You can't start that. It's kind of like a player in the old days. Brooks Robinson used to always be moving forward when when the pitch was thrown. You have to be in. You have to have everything in motion as if it's going to happen. Yeah. So, so you've got the ability to start it very quickly. Last off season, the Orioles contacted me in October about um, getting tickets mm. for for the for the 2021 season before we even knew if the season would start on time, what impact COVID was going to have for the second straight year. It, that's it's that's just business as usual for them. That's what they're supposed to do. I wouldn't read anything into yeah. uh, in into that. Now, Stan, it seems like one of the issues here uh, from the things that I've been reading is that the the 
the major league owners, they seem to really want to only have to pay the players based on, on performance. Now, of course, here's, there's your league minimum, but they're proposing a league minimum would be six hundred to seven hundred thousand dollars based on a on a formula, which would uh, you would imagine would be performance based. And they wanted to go through the arbitration process and depend your, have your raise, which it's already performance based, but they want to go by um, wins above replacement to to do that. And it seems like the players' big pushback is, well, no, it's never been that way. We want you to pay us what we've earned for our service time rather than how we perform on the field. Um, now, you can't go out and hit 220 with 10 home runs and expect to get a raise from $1 million to $9 million in a season. But do you think that maybe that the owners need to pull back a little bit on that and stop trying to make things performance-based? Because it seems like that's really where their head's at right now. I don't have a great sense of, of that and, and its importance to the owners. I, I just don't have a great sense of it. Fair enough, fair enough. Now, uh, moving, switching gears here a little bit, we talked about this the other day. The Orioles have moved the left field wall back um, as much as 30 feet in some places. You're looking in the power alley, it's 400 feet. Uh, 384 to the right of the line. It's still 333 down the line. The new, the new wall is 12 feet high, and you have a 90-degree angled wall uh, it, by the bullpen uh, that's in the field of play. What are your thoughts on the renderings that came out yesterday? Were you able to see see any of those? Yeah, I, I was sat in on the, meet, on the uh, press conference, and I saw the renderings afterwards. I had not, I had not seen the renderings prior. Yeah, what are your thoughts on this? People are really up in arms about this. I feel like that this is only something that, in the long run, helps the Orioles. What are your thoughts on the on the new uh, the new wall? Um, I, you know, until until I'm really in the ballpark and see it, I mean, I'm not going to get an incredible sense of it from from these renderings. I mean, they they didn't do much for me, you know. Yeah. So how about? I the- mean, you know, to me. We're talking about nooks and crannies, you know, right. and that's one of the things I would say from the first time I walked into that ballpark, you know, as spectacular as the entire project is, the actual look of the playing field has always been kind of bland to me. You know, it, it doesn't conjure up any excitement to me at all, you know, and this, this looks like it might start to do that, but I don't quite get what it's going to look like yet. Yeah. Right. Now, with the the pushback of the dimensions, and again, 384 uh, to left, to like dead left field, not, not down the line, but 384 to the right of the line, 400 to the gap. How impactful is that going to be on the Orioles' offense? Um, how many? What players do you think are going to be impacted the most by this, and how badly do you think that this ultimately hurts the Orioles' on offense? First of all, I don't think it's being done for that purpose. Right. So I, it's it's not a topic that I think is is real essential. You know, yeah, I'm I'm sure it's not going to be great for Ryan Mountcastle, uh, Trey Mancini, Austin Hayes. You know, I'm yeah. sure it's not going to be great for them. But I I don't think that the project's being, um, you know, being moved forward with the idea of it helping or hurting Oriole players. I think uh, they they think it's going to be a more entertaining product. 
Stan, I don't, I don't remember where I saw this, but I saw uh, someone say that the, the they basically talk about the average uh, fly ball distance uh, for, uh, I guess, a home run by three different guys. It was Trey Mancini, Ryan Mountcastle, and then Austin Hayes. Uh, Hayes and Mountcastle were around the 335 mark, and then uh, Trey Mancini was around 357. Um, so, you know, quite short of that 384 and obviously quite short of that 400. Um, do you think we see... A, a massive drop-off in home runs? Do you think we see just a moderate drop-off? Or do you think guys will kind of adapt to the park and start to, to maybe change their swing a little bit to, to help them hit the ball farther? Um, again, I don't have a great, you know, I'm Fair sorry to, to answer it. I don't have a great sense of that, you know, Fair enough. how quickly players can adapt. Um, you know, I think we're going to have to watch watch it for a while to see how it's affecting things. My first re- reaction when I, when I saw this, Stan, was that this is going to give the Orioles a better opportunity to lure starting pitching free agents uh, to the ball club. A lot of players don't want to come here, and Dan Connolly's been very uh, vocal about it for the Athletics, saying starting pitching is not going to sign here because they don't want to sign a contract in a, to play in a band box and play in the American League East, which is filled with band boxes. Do you think that this has a positive impact on getting free agent starting pitchers here in the future? I don't think, you know, again, I asked the question yesterday at the press conference. I said, you know, the ballpark's entering its 30th year. Uh, and I essentially said that the, the the pitching we've had from, from say, 1998 to 2010 or 11 was pretty horseshit. And we also have had kind of horseshit pitching the last three or four years. Yep. So out of 29 years that the parks existed, the Baltimore Orioles have had really substandard pitching for about 18 of those years. Yep. Okay. And they say that they their numbers take that into account, you know, that uh, that the amount of home runs isn't that significantly skewed by how bad the Oriole pitching has been, that it's sort of, it affects both clubs. So that's the question I had answered yesterday, because to me, you know, when Dan Straley was pitching uh, for the Orioles for those 10, 12 weeks, it, it didn't seem like you could have put a, a 80-foot wall and knocked it back 40, 50 feet, and he was still going to be giving up home runs. Yeah. Um, but, I, you know, until we see it in, in action, uh, I'm not going to be able to really come up and, and tell you how it's going to play, you know, or what it's how it's going to impact, you know, I mean, to me, the pitching, the pitchers that haven't come to the Orioles over the last couple of years have been because they haven't been offered any money. Yeah, no, that, that that's true. The Orioles haven't even haven't even made an right. attempt in, in, in the past. You know, I mean, if you had somebody like uh, you know anywhere near a Max Scherzer, say, well, nah, I just didn't didn't want to pitch in that ballpark. I mean, I've never heard that. Uh, you know, and w- when I watched the ballpark. When Scott Erickson, Mike Mussina, and Jimmy Key were pitching really good baseball, I don't recall thinking that, boy, the ballpark is that hard. You know, when Chris Tillman and uh, Chen and a couple other guys they had, even that guy that um, the tall right-hander that Dan Duquette picked up. Um, Mark Hendrickson? No, no, no. The right-handed pitcher, Hendrickson, was left-handed. Oh, he was left-handed. Uh, right. He was a starting pitcher for about three years. You're not talking about Ubaldo Jimenez, are you? No, no, no. no. 
Um, Miguel Gonzalez. When, when those guys were pitching, it, it's not that important that we get stuck on who that player is. Right, right. Uh, when when he was pitching well, uh, it's 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 just not going to be that big a factor. Yeah, you know? well, if you can pitch, you can pitch, and you can pitch in. That's what I'm. Or... That's what I'm saying. If yeah. you can pitch, you can pitch. And and, and the fact right. of the matter is, like you said, and like you've been alluding to, uh, the Orioles have had a number of guys who just can't pitch pitching for them for the last 30 years. Um, the fact that you can name on one hand the prominent starters for this team um, that were here for a bit on one hand is is pretty pretty remarkable to me. So, uh, no, I, I tend to agree yeah. with you, Stan. You can pitch in any ballpark in the major leagues if you're a good pitcher. You don't see Garrett Cole come in here and get lit up um, because the Orioles... Yeah, I'm play. sure if the Orioles were offering Garrett Cole one dollar more than he got with the Yankees, they would have been in the hunt to sign him. Right, that's what you it know? comes down to. And somebody else, somebody said, if you had pitchers pitch because of money, if you offer the pitcher the most money out of everybody, he'll pitch in a little league park if you need him to. Yep. So I, I don't think it is necessarily true all the time that. Oh, well, I, I agree with the notion that if you can pitch, you can pitch. I totally agree with that. But I also think there's a stereotype around baseball, and it's probably well known by many of the, the starting pitchers around baseball, that Oriole Park is small and that it's not that easy to pitch in. And even if it's maybe not the most true thing in the world where it's, it's not as a big effect as maybe people think it is, and that's why stereotypes always get kind of blown out of proportion, um, it, it still has an effect on who signs here because of the, the stereotype that goes around and the amount of people that probably talk about it. Um, you know, a Yankees pitcher, if he's pitched in the AL East for long enough, um, we'll, we'll say, oh, you know, I've, I've pitched in Camden Yards this many times and it's a small ballpark, and that, that, that kind of word gets around a little bit. So I, I think that's kind of the effect that, that Camden Yards has kind of had. And I think maybe now that dispels this, this rumor about the, the really, really small ballpark that it is. That's my, yeah. that's my, that's my take. I, I mean, I would agree with that. Yeah. It, it's, a, it's a perception thing. Perception for it sure. It starts, and then three, four years from now, They'll be able to have numbers that that can refute, right. you know, that exactly. it's an easy, it's a hard ballpark to pitch. Stay I don't up. think it's, I don't think it's a bad thing at all. And like I say, to me, this is about creating the sense that when you go to the ballpark, something a little more exciting can happen. Oh, I, I, I agree. And the people that are getting up in arms, well, guess what is happening? They're not going to move. They're 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 not going to move it back. So either right. get on board or find another team. Uh, uh, when you're drawing when you're drawing seven hundred thousand people, I think your problems are much more significant than right. than the nooks and the crannies issue. Yeah. But I think it's got a chance to to move the ballpark and and make some things a little bit more entertaining. Absolutely, Stan. What do you have coming up this week? Uh, got Jim Palmer coming up on Monday. Uh, the ace, uh, the ace of class, number twenty-two, Hall of Famer. He'll join us at eight o'clock uh, rather than six o'clock because he's out on the West Coast and he had some things he had to take care of earlier. Gotcha. Uh, but uh, it'll be him uh, on Monday and uh, Thursday. I am looking at my desk, and if you guys saw it, when no, here it is. We're going to have one. Elliot Steinmetz, and Elliot Steinmetz is the Yeshiva University coach, and their ball club just won, won some kind of incredible number of games in a row. And about a month ago, Gary Stein mentioned at what the number was. They have since lost a game, but we're going to have uh, Elliot Steinmetz on 
and I think you you might even know this, Zach. Does that name ring a bell, the last name? Apparently his son, Gary, told me, was drafted in this year's baseball draft. It does not ring a bell with me, no. I'm not sure. Okay. Anyway, that's who we've got Monday and Thursday of this week. All right, absolutely. We're looking forward to it. Everybody, you can follow Stan at StanTheFan on Twitter. Stan, thank you so much for joining us again All this right, week. guys. We'll thank week. you very much, and have a good show. You do the same. Bye-bye. I just told Stan to have a good show himself. He, he does have two shows coming up this week, so, <laughs> yeah, so I, right. and one's with Jim Palmer. It makes sense. Yeah, I, I want him to have a good show. That was Stan the Fan Charles, and like we said, he has two great shows for you every week. Every Monday night, Stan and former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley visit with a different guest from the world of baseball, and every Wednesday night, Stan and Gary Stein chat with a different newsmaker from the world of sports. This week, Stan and Ross caught up with Orioles legend and Masson analyst uh, ben McDonald. Then Stan caught up with Baltimore Blast owner Ed Hale. Find the show under the videos tab at facebook.com slash pressboxsports or pressboxonline.com slash video. Coming up on Monday, like Stan just said, you really don't want to miss this one. You, uh, When Stan and Ross are going to catch up with Hall of Famer uh, Jim Palmer at 8 p.m. We're going to catch a break. When we come back, we're going to do a little bit of sounding off before we talk to Nathan Ruiz. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit MDGambling help.org need to hone your computer skills to boost your career or maybe you want an it certification ccbc continuing education has the courses and programs you need for a career in the computer field and it's all tuition free from the basics to specialized training we have the classes you need from hardware to programming to cybersecurity and so much more it's your choice it's your career Call 443-840-4700 or visit ccbcmd.edu slash computer training. Glory Days Grill's winter seasonal menu is back with comfort classics like their house-made meatloaf and short rib grilled cheese. It also features the center-cut sirloin with grilled shrimp, the char-grilled pork tenderloin, grilled meatloaf sandwich, smoky thigh wings with Alabama barbecue sauce, and a Brussels and bacon appetizer. All of these items pair well with Devil's Backbone 8-point IPA or their anniversary IPA brewed by Devil's Backbone. And try their seasonal cocktails, Blood Orange Bird, Bourbon Cider, Apple Ginger Mule, and Captain's Hot Cider. Find out more and get your order in today at glorydaysgrill.com. Great food, good sports. Hey guys, it's Paul Valley, and there's a new era of Glenn Clark Radio as I've joined Glenn every weekday from 10 a.m. to noon. There will be some changes, but what won't change is the absolute best daily discussion of Baltimore sports. New Baltimore Ravens wide receiver, Rashad Bateman. Thank you, I appreciate it. He is outfielder Cedric Mullins. Thank you guys for having me. Trey Mancini. Thanks for having me on, guys. He is Kevin Zeitler. Oh, uh, thank you. Very happy to be a part of this. Ravens kicker Justin Tucker. Thanks for having me. Adley Rutschman. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. John Angelos. Thanks a lot. 
luck. Good to be with you. Ryan Mountcastle. Thanks for having me on, guys. Marlon Humphrey. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Quarterback for the University of Maryland, Talia Tungavailoa. Thank you guys for having me. He is J.K. Dobbins. Thank you for having me. I had a great time. The great Ray Lewis. Always good to be on. Coach Mark Turgeon. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. He is Mr. Cal Ripken Jr. Good chatting with you. You can watch us live at Facebook.com slash Sports or listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. And podcasts are available on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. All right, welcome back to the bat around. Um, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna hold off on, on on sounding off because this is too good. This is too good, and we 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 have to we have to address this. There is a gentleman commenting on the show on YouTube, just going bananas right He's now. He's not very happy with us. He is. He blamed Zach and I. He said it's going to be Zach's and my <laughs> fault when Mike Elias gets fired in five years. And that we're wrong and that we're basically idiots and that Everyone's and, entitled to their own opinion. Right. And that the Orioles um, built this wall as an excuse to alienate fans so they can eventually move the team to Tennessee. And look, you don't, we don't want to give people like this. They're not going to Tennessee, though. They're, they're not going to Tennessee. Let's just address that right off the bat. They are not moving to Tennessee. They're not moving to Tennessee. No. But for this guy, and he and I share the same first name. Paul, <laughs> like, <laughs> calm down, man. One. And two, if the Orioles go out and play winning baseball, if and they're not going to do that this year. We know that. But if they go out and they play baseball mm. competitively, and then in 2023 they're 500, and 2024 they're in contention for a playoff spot, and in 2025 maybe they get to a World Series, you're not going to give a damn about what the field looks like. Mm-hmm. The field could be made of asphalt with chain-link fence, and you are <laughs> not going to care because the Orioles are winning. And this, the fact that us talking about this wall and saying, Hey, we're not giving it a ringing endorsement. We're not sitting here saying this wall is the greatest thing to ever happen to Camden Yards <laughs> or to the Orioles, and all of a sudden right. the Orioles are in contention right. with the Yankees because they 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 moved this wall and it's twelve feet tall. We're not saying that. We're just being realistic. We're to saying be fair. it's not that big of a freaking deal. Yeah, it's not big enough of. Excuse me, it's not big mm. enough of a deal for the for these reactions. It's a wall, man. Well, he's not the only one to, to share this sentiment because there's a lot of people who think the exact same thing, that they're just losing their minds. I don't know if you know who he is, but Zach Hampel. Do you know Zach Hampel? I don't. I know Z- Zach Goodman. Zach, yeah, good. Um, Zach Hampel is a guy who's caught over like 10,000 baseballs, and he caught Alex Rodriguez's 3,000 hit. He caught uh, Mike Trout's first home run. He, he loves going around and catching baseballs. He has like 10,000 of them. I'm serious with this guy. He, he, he has a YouTube channel. It's pretty interesting, but he was going off What's on Twitter. What do with all those balls? I think he like gives them away to like kids and charities and stuff oh, like that. Oh, well, that's a sweet thing. To yeah, do. no, he's not a. He, but my point of this is, he went on Twitter yesterday and he was livid. Camden Yards is he's made very well known that it's his favorite ballpark and that he he thinks that 
he catches, I guess, more balls at Camden Yards than anywhere else uh, due to the kindness of the Orioles' hearts, I guess. Um, but he was going off about how someone's going to impale themselves on this wall and how it's an abomination to baseball and how the Orioles should be horrified at this. I mean, he was just losing his mind. And I'm going, guys, okay, it's not that big of a deal. <laughs> right? The, like, the, these walls, okay, yeah, the wall is not... It's, it's not made of, like, wet paper, right? So it's mm-hmm. not like you're going to hit it and not hurt yourself <laughs> if you run into They're it. They're made but, of concrete, yeah. But they, ha- they have padding. But the corner isn't made of shards of glass. It's not made of straight steel with a point on it. Mm-hmm. You're not getting impaled if you run into that <laughs> right. wall. Right. right. You right. might break a rib, and that's going to suck. Right. You know what I mean? Or you might break your nose. But that's true of any wall in baseball. If you're mm-hmm. not looking where you're going when you're running and you run into the wall, exactly. that's what happens. I mean, it is a concrete wall. You, how, that's what you should expect to happen when you run into it. How many times have you seen somebody run into that into that 90-degree wall that they have in center field in Boston? Oh, so many. So many times. I don't ever recall somebody wa- r- running into the oh, wall. Oh, I've, I've definitely seen it. Guys, definitely. I mean, people run into it, but they don't get like impaled. Right. I don't recall seeing somebody run into the side into the concrete wall in Houston in left center field. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I I recall seeing I, I guys see run face first into the center field wall, running back on a ball. I can see it in my head of guys running into it in Fenway, just because I guess the ballpark's been around so long. I have well, like I those memories the, in my head. Maybe what I don't know with Houston though. Maybe what you're remembering is somebody going to, like Jackie Bradley Jr. going to make a catch. Yes. and and the wall takes his knees out as he's as he's Br- leaping. Bradley has a specific place in my head with that. Yeah. Right, right, but that's but it's not but impaling that, him. But that, he's fine. But, but the, yeah, but that's not. At the angle, that's right. where the where the wall is normal, and he's going back trying to catch a ball, and that wall is so specifically low, it's like waist high, right. that you're going to flip over it. I'm talking about in center field where there's like a garage out there. Right, yeah, I know exactly there, what you mean. There's yep. an angle. I don't ever recall seeing somebody tra- tracking a ball and running face first into that, into that wall and impaling themselves. No. I've never seen that because it's, it's not a thing. It's not like a legit... Definitely, guys falling over that fence in, in le- that, right center. That's, that's what I. That's, that's what I'm thinking of. Th- I know that. Yeah. That's a thing. But like, I be I'm gonna go out on a limb and say you don't see it happen once this year, where somebody runs yeah. into that wall. Well, because uh, I mean, think about the hit that have to be that specific to be there. Right. I mean, they'd have. That's a really small chance. And and on top of that, the Orioles are going to. It's their home field. They're. We we got a couple minutes. Okay. Yeah. He, he, we we don't need him until. Oh, long. this this computer's wrong. That's right. what I, you, you right. Gotta, you gotta keep looking at that. I'm one. at the wrong time. But, but this is the Orioles' home field, so you know they're gonna get practice on that field. They even on their off days they show up to the ballpark for practice, so they're gonna get used to that field and know the dimensions of it. So right. Th- and the the bad thing is that there there are no plans right now to change the Camden Yards field at, at uh in Sarasota for mm-hmm. this year. Um, that's something I think that they're going to have to do. In the future, but yeah. I, I think it's like one project at a time sure. regarding stadium. So I don't think they're going to do that in Sarasota this year. And at all costs. So. Yeah, but um, it's going to happen eventually. I am really not concerned with somebody running into that wall. I, I just no. I just am not. My bigger concern is somebody trying to chase down a ball and having to make a right a right hand turn to get around it. Right. Which is if your center fielder is the one making that play to begin with. Right. Where is your left fielder? Is he playing yeah. in the in foul territory? Like where is he? Right. Um. But but like I, I don't know why too all the, the all the blame on this if you don't like it which well again a lot of people don't 
is is being heaped on Elias. I it's, just don't understand dude, that. It's it's, it's Why, the in thing to do with the Orioles. Right. It's, it, like, it's let's it, hate the ownership and let's hate Mike Elias. And uh, like, look, you don't like, have to agree with everything, and we don't agree with everything no, he does. Not uh, at all. One hundred percent. I didn't agree with the way that they that they approached their pitching staff last year. Right. I, I didn't agree with signing nobody except for Matt Harvey to be in your and Wade LeBlanc and maybe Felix Hernandez to be in your in your starting rotation. Right. And if, I, I, if I'm being honest, I would have picked Cleo Watson over Colton Cowser. I mean, that's just my I, opinion. I, I, I don't agree with saying, hey, we think we might have something with these with these rookies. Right. And let's do nothing as a contingency plan. Exactly. Which is what they did. Right. We're not here to sing Mike Mike Elias's praises and say that this is the be all end all and this right. is this is the guy. I, I think he is the guy, but everybody has missteps. Mm-hmm. I don't think this wall is a misstep, and I don't think anybody is going to think about it three months into the season. No, no, you're going to forget about it. You're going to yeah. you're going to go to the ballpark once. You're going to see it and go, hey, that looks new, and yeah. then go great. Yeah, that's it. it it's gonna <laughs> right? be I mean, Oh, I, I had to get to the ballpark to see this wall. You see it once, you're like, oh, there's that's a wall. Are you really <laughs> that, that sure is a wall? <laughs> it looks like a nice ball. I mean, if Ryan Mountcastle hits a fly ball that goes three hundred and fifty uh feet and doesn't make it out, and you're are you really gonna sit there and go, Man, that would have gone out if they hadn't changed that wall. Some are. I mean some, some, some probably some people hit, will. Hit, somebody will hit a deep fly ball that's going to be caught on the warning track for the Orioles. And people are going to say, Well, that would have been a home run if you hadn't changed the ballpark. All right, man. Fine. Sure, it's going to take away some home runs from people. It's going to take some home runs away from the opposition also, and I think it's going to get free agents to be more inclined to sign here. It's just like people being so up in arms about this stuff, man. It's bonkers to me. And and honestly, that's the effect of a lockout. There's oh, 100%. That's the effect of a lockout. When, when there's no baseball, there's no offseason in it, being active, there's no activity in the off season. Nobody's being signed. Right. You don't know if you're going to have spring training. Right. The Orioles are pushing their wall back and they're making it taller. Rabble, rabble, rabble. <laughs> That's right. what this is. Right. You have nothing else to do because there's nothing going on in baseball. Well, I mean, if, if free agency was happening right now, the, the meltdown would be why Mike Elias isn't signing. You know, Max Scherzer. I mean, they, they, it, <laughs> this team signed this pitcher for five million dollars. Right. The Orioles could have signed him. Why didn't they sign him? Instead, right. you're 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 mad about a wall. Right. Right. Uh, we have Nathan Ruiz on the line from the Baltimore Sun, who's kind enough to join us despite a busy Saturday here for the Orioles. Nathan, thanks for taking a couple minutes up for us this morning. How are you? Yeah, doing well, guys. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We certainly appreciate you joining the program. Look, we've been talking all morning about this this wall being pushed back. and people what are wall? Like, What wall are you talking about? I'm yeah. very confused. <laughs> what wall? The, the, the Great Wall Chinese Restaurant. They, 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 they raise their prices, and people are really upset about it. Um, no, people are people are up in arms about this wall being pushed back and the height being raised, and I just don't get it. Like I, I'm an, uh, under the belief that three months into the season, people aren't going to care anymore. Where where are you with this with this whole thing? Yeah, I think you know what you guys were talking about right before I came on, just in terms of there, there's not a whole lot else going on, and this is this is news in a time where there there isn't a whole lot of it. Um, yeah, it's definitely something I think that that people would be talking about under other circumstances. It is interesting. It is different. It's a big change. You know, they, you look at the 30-year history of the ballpark, there's only been one other year where the dimensions have been different. Otherwise, it's, it's been 333 to left, 364 to left center, 7-foot, 4-inch wall. Like, it, it, this is kind of just what it's always been. So I get the traditional aspect. I, you know, people, I think, are also a little perplexed, surprised by by the layout, the new dimensions in terms of just 
leaving the bullpens where they are and having that, you know, basically just a jut out in the middle of the field and the impact that might have. Um, yeah, I think it's it's definitely unique. It's definitely different. But you look at everything else that this organization has done under Michael Elias and Sig Dell is, you know, they're trying to find a way to build a sustainable winner, and they believe that creating a more balanced ballpark will do that. They did their research. They considered all other alternatives. They did the math, and they determined that the best way to, to have the outcome they were hoping for in terms of balancing the ballpark and making it more league average in terms of home runs allowed it was, was to move this wall back. And the height of the wall is kind of just like a natural byproduct of that. You move back the stadium bowl. That's where things line up. So fans are still sitting you know, front row above the field. So it's just kind of a natural result of things. But, yeah, I get why people are, are up in arms about it to the extent that there, there isn't anything else going on right now to be up in arms about. Now you wrote in the Baltimore Sun about how uh, players are about the players that could be impacted the most by this change. Uh, Hayes and Mountcastle would have had some of their home runs taken away, but Means would have given up uh, less home runs. Is the trade off for lesser offense but better pitching worth the change in your opinion? I think when you look at especially how the Orioles in particular are developing their roster, when you look at the drafts under Michael Elias, it's been very hitter heavy in the types of hitters they go after are guys who work the count, look for pitches they can do damage on, and take their walks. Like They're the type of hitters who, I think, over the course of this, are going to be the type of hitters who benefit, or not, not necessarily benefit, but aren't as impacted in the same way as maybe some other hitters would be. They're still going to get on base. They're still going to drive the ball to the gap. They're still going to get extra base hits. So I think the way they're building their organization, the kind of hitters they've focused on, I think they're the type of hitters who, who, while any hitter would be impacted by this situation, will, will be able to minimize that impact. I also think you look at what they've had pitching-wise, it's going to be a benefit. Mike, Michael I said yesterday they're not trying to do any, any favors to pitchers, but naturally by trying to make a, ho- a ballpark less home run susceptible, you're, you're doing benefits for pitchers. So it, it'll be interesting to see kind of the long-term effects. They weren't really willing to dive into the exact numbers of, of what their projections said, especially because, um, as as Sig said, you know those things change depending on what ball Major League Baseball is asking them to use, and something as simple as global warming—not really simple global warming—but you get what I mean. It's just in terms of there's a lot of things out of their control still, so they weren't exactly sure. They didn't want to say, "Oh, we think this will reduce home runs by 25 percent, or 15 percent, or even 5 percent." They don't. They didn't want to detail the numbers, but clearly they had a target in mind and determined this was the best way to do that. Now, I do think that part of this is the fact that the Orioles gave up over 300 home runs in 2019. They gave up 258 last year to lead the league. But I think more so, it's because this is how you're going to attract starting pitching uh, it, through free agency. Do you think there's something to that? Or you really think it just is because the Orioles give up too many home runs? Well, I think that, that's a factor, too. And Michael Elias, you know, immediately admitted to that. When asked, he said that is a significant factor in this, is that this organization has historically had issues drawing free agent pitchers and it's understandable you look at the numbers over the last five years camden yards at camden yards visiting pitchers have given up the third most home runs of any ballpark so it's not just an orioles problem the teams that are first and second in that are the yankees which obviously you know they have the short portion right Mm -hmm. but they're also a team that that has you know a contending lineup and then second is the dodgers which obviously they've they've produced great lineups over the last several years so it's you know, as much struggles as the Orioles have had over the last few years, visiting pitchers have had the same troubles at Camden Yards. So I, I think the goal is to make, you know, the ballpark more attractive. They expect it to remain a hitter's park. They don't think that area will just turn into, you know, a dead zone. They think that'll lead to, you know, some extra base hits, some triples, other, you know, exciting balls in play. Um, and, and so I think that, you know, the long-term goal is to make it a more balanced park in terms of home runs allowed. 
but also make it more appealing to pitchers in terms of, you know, guys who maybe said, oh, I'm looking to rebuild my value in a short-term deal, and I don't want to do that at Camden Yards. Nathan, how much do you think the, the players on the current roster uh, had any input on this? You know, is John Means coming to Michael Elias and saying, hey, I think this is actually a good idea, I support this? Or are they you know, having any kind of input, positive or negative, towards this? Yeah, so obviously, given the lockout situation, Elias couldn't go to players right now, but he, ah, did, you're give right. the impression, okay. he did give the impression that during this past season, so this is something that sounds like they've been thinking about on and off mm-hmm. over basically since he arrived in Baltimore. So um, it does sound like over this past season he talked to players, he talked to former players, and obviously I would assume that you know if you went to a hitter, a hitter might say, like, uh, I mean, yeah, it definitely is prone to home runs, but I prefer you not do that. But he, he did sure. say that, you know, it's basically universal across the board that everyone agreed it is a ballpark that does lend itself to more home runs. So even if hitters maybe were like, oh, I prefer you not, they, they still recognize the fact that there is an imbalance at, at, at Camden Yards and, and that this change would adjust, uh, address that. Yeah, I, I think that eventually this is just going to be one of those things where you like, remember when we were upset about this wall and now we don't even notice it. I, I think that's yeah. that's ultimately what's going to happen. Now, switching uh, gears a little bit here, Nathan, you're in the middle of a series where you take a look at players on the 40-man roster. And there were some things that stood out to me in reading that series that you did. Uh, you project, you had uh, Tyler Wells as a projected closer. I'm inclined to think, just based on what I've seen from uh, Brandon Hyde the last two years, that he's going to give Cole Sulcer first crack at being the closer in 2022. How quickly do you think that uh, – I think Tyler Wells has the stuff and the makeup to do it. How quickly do you think he's going to seize that opportunity, or do you, or is it going to be kind of like a maybe even a closer by committee type of thing? I mean, I think that's definitely possible. You look at you know Cole Solcer's 2021 versus his 2020. He took a big step forward. Obviously, he had kind of an injury in 2020 that seemed to be helping him back, but – Cut down his walk rate incredibly. So he's a guy who I think Brandon Hyde trusts a lot. But you, you look at how, going back to 2019, you look at Michael Givens. Brandon Hyde never really named Michael Givens the closer. He kind of just viewed him as the most important spot in the game. That's what I'm going to use Michael Givens. Mm-hmm. And that kind of tended to end up being the ninth inning. Generally, there were times where that wasn't the case. Mm-hmm. But that was how Brandon Hyde intended to use Michael Givens. I think what ended up becoming the problem is that there was no one else in that bullpen who stepped up to then be the ninth inning guy if Michael Givens wasn't used in the ninth. I think when you look at Cole Solcer and Tyler Wells, you could make the argument that now you use Cole Solcer as this is the big spot in the game. Let me bring him in to get four outs from the seventh to the eighth, and then I'll let Tyler Wells pitch the ninth because he's a guy I trust to do that. So I think now when you look at the way that this bullpen is being formed, obviously you would like those two guys to to build off their 21, 2021 seasons, and obviously especially in Tyler Wells' case, and even Cole Solcher's case. He's an older guy, but he hasn't been in the major league super long. There's going to be some adjustment to them, but I think when you look at how Brandon Hyde deployed them late in the year, he didn't use Cole Solcher as his closer super frequently. He did end up leading the team in saves, but he didn't just hand him the role. There was a lot of, this is the most important spot in the game, and I'm going to go to Cole Solcher right here. So I think that kind of format would lend itself to Cole Solcher being a, a deployable setup guy and Tyler Wells being closer. I, I I can see how that would be how that would be a thing. I think it could be really exciting if Tyler Wells kind of takes that takes that role and seizes it. Um, you also wrote about Anthony Santander, and it, for me, what stood out is just Santander in general. He he has finished each of his uh, three full big league seasons uh, on the IL with some kind of 
injury. He missed a, a great deal of time last April because of the ankle, the the sprained ankle, and then he had a down year. It was it was evident he couldn't move to his left or right very very well. It was evident that he was he was struggling to put the ball in play. He did you did mention he had the highest exit, one of the highest exit velocities on the team when he did make uh, solid contact. But Santander, a lot of people forget that he's going to be on this opening day roster because we're so entrenched with Kyle Stowers and Colton Kalzer and all those guys. But Anthony Santander is probably starting in right field on opening day. How important is this year for him? And is there any chance that he makes it through 2022 as a Baltimore Oriole? I mean, I think there's a chance because if if he struggles again, there's not going to be many teams who are particularly interested in him. Sure. He is a guy with three years of control left, including 2022. So there is time for the Orioles to you know build up his value further if he does have another rough season. Brandon High was pretty adamant at the end of the year after Santander's season was over. He thinks he's more like the player that they saw in 2020 than 2021. But the issue is, and I, I think this becomes a little bit forgotten in terms of his 2020 season, it was 37 games. It was less than a quarter of a season, right. just given the circumstances and his injury. So he had a great year in 2020, but over the it wasn't even remotely close to a full season of play. So I, I think, you know, adding in that context, you look at him over the last three seasons, he has one of the lowest on-base percentages in baseball, one of the lowest walk rates in baseball. And that's basically the opposite when you look at the type of players. You mentioned Kyle Stowers and, and Colton Kowser. It's the opposite of the type of players the Orioles have been targeting in their draft and player development strategies. So, as as much of an impact player that he has been over the last few years and an important part of the Orioles lineup, he clearly needs to take some steps forward to become a long-term piece in Baltimore. I think, obviously, if they're struggling and he's playing well, uh, you know, a, a relatively young outfielder with two and a half years of control left, switch hitter, I, I think that will appeal to some teams, and especially if they have Kyle Stowers on the way and ready to come up to the majors. You know, I think a, a move could definitely be a possibility. Now, somebody else who's, who ended last year on the I.L. was Ramon Urias. Now, he was a very consistent hitter uh, over the second half of the season for the Orioles. Uh, played a lot of second base. The defense wasn't great, but it wasn't terrible. Uh, but he also played a lot of shortstop. Are the Orioles going to target a shortstop after the lockout, or do they like what they have in Arias, and are they going to try and give him the opportunity to, to uh, claim a role on this team? Yeah, I think it'll be interesting how they approach the left side of the infield. You know, if you look at things right now, you, you have Jorge Mateo, Urias, and Kelvin Gutierrez as, as kind of the options on the left side, assuming that Runet Odor becomes their starting second baseman, which is not necessarily a guarantee. You look at, you know, even, you know, what happened with Yomar Sanchez. Like, he was presumed to be the guy, and then in spring training, they DFA him. So, there, there, I don't think there's necessarily a guarantee. They're only paying Renato Odor the league minimum, so that's not necessarily promised. So it is possible that the whole infield needs to be redone to an extent. Um, you know, I don't know if they're going to go out out of the lockout and sign Carlos Correa by any means. So I think it's possible that they they. I think they're interested in what they have in Ramon Arias. On the flip side of what I was saying about Santander not being a guy who walks or get on gets on base. Ramon Arias led the Orioles in on base percentage. He beat Cedric Mullins out by .001 points. And then he actually led all American League rookies in on-base percentage. So he's a guy who, when you look at what the Orioles are, are hoping to have in their lineup, he's a guy who kind of fits that. Now, obviously, he's older for a guy with as much major league experience as he has, but he's kind of a guy who's just always hit. So I, I, I think he's a guy who, who presents them interesting possibilities. It's possible that he platoons with Odor. Um, he could be their starting shortstop. Uh, he could play some third base. I think he's a guy who presents a lot of interesting pieces for them. Um, and I think he's a guy who, if you look at the long term, could at the worst be a utility infielder on a good Orioles team. 
Yeah, I, I really like the makeup of Arias, and I'm excited to see what he can do with a full season um, on the roster. Now, I know we got to get you out of here, but real quick before we do, the international signing period starts today. The Orioles have been linked to uh, Braylon Tavares, Cesar Prieto, and Leandro, uh, Leandro Arias. Um, can you tell us anything about these players before you go? Yeah, I mean, Tavares is going to receive the largest signing bonus in, in franchise history for a Latin American teenager, beating out the, the $1.3 million they gave to Samuel Basayo last year. So it's just continued investment by these guys. You know, these are guys who obviously the injury, the industry is, is regarding as talented. Um, Prieto is an older guy, a guy who could make a, a quick push to the major leagues out of Cuba. Um, so there's some exciting talent here. They're just continuing to stockpile it. Just if you look at that side of the organization as a whole, a lot of these guys are going to be getting into full season ball from the past couple classes. So they're just building this ta- talent pipeline that Michael Elias promised. They're they're adding on to it, and, and, and you're seeing more results through this, through the Dominican Academy that's, that's you know, they broke ground on last year. I know I'm not specifically answering your question super well in terms of, you know, the, the talent these guys have. Tavera is a, a center fielder who projects to stay there. Obviously, he's only 16, turns 17 next month. So a lot of a lot of time between now and when he reaches the major leagues. But just this continued investment, it, it just shows that the Orioles are, are, are finally getting in this area. I, I mean, we're going to speak with Kobe Perez. Uh, later today, they're head of international scouting, and, and you know I'm hoping to ask him, are are you guys caught up? Because obviously, you know these are deals that are consummated years in advance. And is 2021 the year you guys finally felt settled into things? Or are you still playing catch up? So I'm interested to hear where where they feel they are in the market. But obviously, the fact that you know Tavera is going to receive a signing bonus somewhere between 1.5 and 2 million. I think MLB Pipeline reported 1.7 million, which is going to end up being among the 20 highest bonuses given out today. So it shows that the Orioles are in, involved near the top of the market, and I think as years go forward, they'll get closer and closer to the top of it, assuming the international format stays this way. Uh, it sounds like something to be really excited about here in Baltimore. Uh, Nathan, what can, we, uh, what can we plug for you moving forward here? Yeah, the, the Orioles Day series you mentioned, that'll continue um, examining kind of a, a by-the-numbers look, what was good, what wasn't, looking ahead to 2022 of each member of the Orioles' 40-man roster. I might dive into some prospects, depending on what ends up happening with with the timing of spring training. And just in general, you know, just some analysis and taking the deep looks at what this organization is doing, examining more and more the impact of this this left field change, looking at what they're doing to prepare for the 2022 draft, in which they'll likely have a top five, if not the number one pick, depending on how the CBA sorts out, looking at their player development apparatus. So, yeah, all that will be on Baltimore.com slash sports slash Orioles. And if you so care to watch me, tweet out renderings of, of the new stadium, you can uh, follow me at, on Twitter at Nathan S. Ruiz. All right. You just did the, the Twitter plug for me. We appreciate it. Thanks for taking some time. I know you're busy today. So uh, uh, you go after it, and hopefully we'll talk to you again soon, all right? Yeah, sounds great, guys. Thanks for having me. All right. Take care. Nathan Ruiz from the Baltimore Sun joining us. I just saw on his Twitter profile he was a – If <laughs> I think this is super cool. It says he's a 2013 Oklahoma State University Mario Kart champion. Wow. Yeah, I, I wish I would have That's, seen that beforehand. We needed to talk about. That. I wanted. To, I I would have loved to have asked him about that. Yeah, that's so cool, man. I was the um, I was the 2002. <laughs> I'm waiting for this one. I was the 2002 Madden mm. 03 runner up. Really? Yeah, it was a 64 man tournament. Like where? Like what? Uh, it, we just did it at Fro- oh, I'm sorry, at Frostburg. Okay. At Frostburg State University, it wasn't like an official thing, but it was a 64 man on campus tournament, and I made it all the way to the finals, and I lost. On- I was thinking about this on the way here today, which is so really? weird. Um, I Re- lost. Reliving your glory days on a uh- <laughs> last second 
field goal. No, you should have blocked at, it. After I had just missed mm. a field goal. You, you, you ever play Madden where it's like one of those wonky things where you click the kick button and oh, yeah. it doesn't register oh, yeah. and then you kick it like 20 yards? It wasn't like that, but it was where like when I tried to stop it, it registered late. I remember the first Maddens that actually were the online ones, like Madden 12, 13, where it actually you know started, you could play against other people wherever you were and that kind of stuff. And it was really bad. Like you, it was it was impossible to kick it. But I remember, like I, I think the first Madden I ever played was Madden 07, and that one was really janky yeah. with the kicking. Really, yeah. Not, yeah. not the easiest. Well, I lost because of my missed field goal, and this guy's made field goal at the last second. I lost by three points, um, and the guy didn't even go to Frostburg. Wow, he was cheater. He, he went to Towson University, and he was visiting a friend. <laughs> it might have been me. <laughs> no, nah, dude, you were you were like two. I yeah. No, you weren't two. You were. You were just I was a, probably you, one. You were a young pup. You were yeah. an infant. Yeah. You were an infant. And this uh <laughs> I was good at Madden this, though. This guy shows up and I was so mad because when I found out he didn't even go to Frostburg, I'm like, so I'm the best at Frostburg. Yeah, no, that's right? that's that he cheated. Yeah. You yeah, should like, find this guy and tell him he cheated. Yeah, you, you can't go to Towson and, and then win a Frostburg yeah. tournament, bro. Stay in your lane. <laughs> right. I mean he, he cheated. Nah, you know who who won't cheat you? Toyota. Make the most out of every day in a Toyota RAV4 available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style, so check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. When we come back, Zach's going to sound off an Orioles banter. Glory Days Grill's winter seasonal menu is back with comfort classics like their house-made meatloaf and short rib grilled cheese. It also features the center-cut sirloin with grilled shrimp, the char-grilled pork tenderloin, grilled meatloaf sandwich, smoky thigh wings with Alabama barbecue sauce, and a Brussels and bacon appetizer. All of these items pair well with Devil's Backbone 8-point IPA or their anniversary IPA brewed by Devil's Backbone. And try their seasonal cocktails, Blood Orange Burger, Bourbon Cider, Apple Ginger Mule, and Captain's Hot Cider. Find out more and get your order in today at glorydaysgrill.com. Great food, good sports. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. From all of the biggest games to the smallest events, make every bet worth your while at MyBookie. Start by doubling your first deposit instantly with MyBookie's first deposit bonus up to $1,000. Double your money before you even place a bet, and all you have to do is sign up and deposit using the exclusive promo code PRESSBOX at MyBookie.ag. If your first deposit is $100, MyBookie adds $100 so you can start with $200 to play with. If your first deposit is $1,000, MyBookie adds $1,000 so you can start with with $2,000 to play with. With tons of great games and prop bets to take advantage of this week, there is truly something for everyone. Don't wait any longer. Head to MyBookie today to redeem your double deposit bonus so you can start winning big today. That's promo code PRESSBOX to receive double your first deposit instantly in your account. No hassle, no wait. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. 
The latest issue of Press Box is available now, and it's our very special annual Best of Issue on the cover. We celebrate Justin Tucker as our Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year, honoring his historic on-field achievements, but also the unprecedented relationship he shared with Baltimore. Inside, we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of 2021, including Cedric Mullins' incredible season and the dominance of local Paralympic athletes. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. We're back here on the Bataround, coming to you from our press box studios on a chilly Saturday morning in January, well into the second hour of the program. The first hour was brought to you by the latest issue of Press Box, which is available now, and it is our very special annual best of issue. On the cover, we celebrate Justin Tucker as our Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year, honoring his historic on-field achievements, but also the unprecedented relationship he shared with Baltimore. Also inside, we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of 2021, including Cedric Mullins' incredible season and the dominance of local Paralympic athletes. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. So this guy, and this is the last bit of attention I'm going to give to him, because he said something that... that I don't ever want to be accused of as as a journalist in Baltimore. And he said that we always give that Baltimore journalists always give the Orioles a pass to treat us like crap and kick us. Uh, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit there. Zach and I don't give the Orioles a pass ever, right? We are we are. I, I went on a tangent about this team back in August. When they were headed for a 110 loss season, I went yes. like I got very angry. Uh, we don't give this team a pass. We're just not going to get up in arms about something as as uh, it's, it's a wall. It's a wall. <laughs> it's a wall. You know what I mean? Right. It's, it, it, this isn't the undoing of the franchise. No. I think ultimately it helps the Orioles, but I think at the worst, it doesn't really have a huge impact. Right? It's a freaking wall, like. <laughs> and, and, and look, look if, if yeah. this it's regime, cool. this regime, I get it. The Orioles lost 115 games in 2018, then they lost 108 in 2019. They were mm-hmm. headed for, let's face it, another 100 loss season in 2020 if they played the full thing. And then last year they go out and they lose 110 games. Guys, it sucks. Yeah. Like, like this is the Orioles are my very first love. Mm-hmm. That's why I do this show. That's why I'm here. That's why if you watch Glenn Clark Radio, I'm in Orioles gear more often than not. I love the Orioles. Right. This sucks. I hate it. I right. don't want to see. I would. I want. I wish I could sit here and tell you the Orioles are going to go out and surprise the baseball world like they did in 2012 and win 93 games. It's not going to happen. No. Right. It's not going to happen. No. I want this to be over as much as you do. But I'm not going to sit here and tell you that the Orioles fans right now are being treated like crap because we're not. We have like. All you have to do is look at Michael. If Michael Elias had a checklist that was visible to everybody, mm-hmm. he, there would be numerous checks next to the things that he said he was going to do. Right. Everything he said he was going to do to this point, he's done. With the lone exception, in my opinion, being putting a winning product on the field. Yes. 
and he just doesn't believe they're there yet. But they have the number one farm system in baseball. They have the number one prospect in baseball. They have the number one pitching prospect in baseball. And guess what? Those guys are going to be at Camden Yards with that big freaking wall this year. It's coming. Right. I I remember last year, and you weren't on the show, it was one of the ones I did with Ryan Blake. Uh, Mm -hmm. And Ryan and I, he he really went on a whole thing defending Michael Elias and talking about why Michael Elias has really checked, like you said, all of the boxes that he said he was going to check. And, And the overall thing that I kept saying in that show is that Mike Elias laid out the plan the day he gave that press conference when he came to Baltimore. And I believe it was November or December in 2018. That, that day he came, he said, here's what I'm going to do. Here's how long it's going to take. It's not going to be a lot of fun, but it's going to get us a good product in the end. And we have you know, yet to see, obviously, that product in the end. But he told you exactly what was going to happen. He made it very clear. You should not be surprised the Orioles are still bad. If you are, you haven't been paying attention. Mm-hmm. This not is what mention- he said. Not to mention a 60-game season where they had no minor league season because right. of COVID. Go go to YouTube, watch Michael Elias' press conference, and tell me he's not doing what he said he would do. Exactly. And Glenn brings this up all the time. There's no guarantee that this is going to work. And no, he's, he's there isn't. Right. There's no guarantee that the Orioles are going to win the World Series because of what Michael Elias is doing and, right now. And if this plan fails, then we will tell you the truth about that. Yeah. We, we will tell you that... And, what happened? Uh, yeah, we will 100% say this plan has failed. Right. If, if for some reason Zach and I are still doing this show in 2027 and the Orioles haven't won a <laughs> World Series and they've yeah. only been to the playoffs one time, we will tell you unequivocally this plan has failed. Right. I think this plan has failed if they haven't made the play- if they haven't made to the playoffs by 2024. Well, yeah, right. I, I look at the Brewers' rebuild as you know because they went through a couple hard years there, and I, I I don't know if you want to call it a rebuild, retool, whatever you want to call it, but they made the playoffs. And, you know, they've made the playoffs multiple times now after the rebuild. They've come out with a very competitive team, and they always have a pretty low-cost competitive team on the field. And I like the model the Brewers have done, and I like what they've done, but yet they haven't won a World Series. But I still find that successful. I think what they've done by putting a playoff team, you know, year after year on the field through this rebuild has been very successful for them. And that's what I want to see the Orioles be. You know, even if it's not a World Series, just that those playoffs year after year, being yeah, that competitive squad. You want to be known as one of those teams that you can expect to see playing in October. Right. And I don't mean October 3rd third on a Sunday and it's the last game of the year. I mean, <laughs> right. playing in October right. significantly. Now, I am not of the same ilk when it comes to that, Zach. I, okay, fair I, enough. I, I understand teams having low payrolls and being competitive and how fun it is, mm-hmm. but those teams don't win World Series. Yeah, I mean, that's the, true. The, the Rays, true. They, the Rays are the only one of those teams that get there. They got close, yep. and But they didn't win. Yep. They the athletics are the, the are, Indians are, in 2017. Yeah, uh, the Guardians now. The Guardians. Yeah, yeah right. the um, th- they they get to the playoffs. They don't make it much for the Indians. The the we can say that they were the, the Indians. That's why I said it. They, 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 they were, were the Indians. Indians. And Cleveland got there in 2017, and yep. it was an exciting World Series. Um, wait, wait, no, that was 2016. Was it? Okay, that was 2016 right. because yeah, they played the Cubs. Um, and it, it, I I remember um, oh my gosh, what was the guy's name? Edwin? No, 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 no. Um. Oh, the, the Jackson the, is was that his last the, the name? The center fielder you're talking about, where he hit the home run. Uh, hit, hit the home run. It, the center, speedy the, center fielder. Yeah, I'm yeah. Look that it, up. It, it sent them to uh, to extra innings, and then you had a 30 minute rain delay to yeah to you know for the suspense and all that, and then the next thing you know, the Cubs end up winning the World Series, first one in 116 years or whatever, however long it was, or 108 years. Um, but like th- that was that was exciting. But these teams generally that that. Spend less, don't win World Series. They get, they can get close. They can get you close, and you know I, I'd be sitting here, you know, happy as a clam. Rajay Davis. Rajay Davis. Thank you, Rajay Davis. Um, I'd be happy as a clam if the Orioles got to a Game Seven of a World Series. The Orioles got to a Game One of a World Series. Sure. But the goal is to win. 
yep. a World Series. And that's why I would much rather see the Orioles be in the top half of the league in payroll because I think that ultimately getting those guys, spending the money on the guys that get you over the hump is what helps you win a World Series. Yep. So, but look, we're not going to sit here. We're not going to apologize for the Orioles. If we don't agree with them, we don't agree with them. There's just nothing sure. to not agree with at this exact moment. Right. Now, if they come out and they tank again this year and they win 100 games, I mean, they lose 100 games, I'm going to be upset again. And it's going to be gonna, very and, frustrating. And in right. August, I'm going to go off again about them not putting a more competitive product on the field. Yeah. I just I look at the fact that Brandon Hyde is in his final year, uh, and they gave him a final year. It was supposed to be last year. Mm-hmm. They gave him an extra year. Adley Rutschman's coming. Grayson Rodriguez is coming. They've moved the wall back so that they can p- potentially attract free agent starting pitchers. Maybe not this year, but in the years to come. They spent $7 million on a pitcher, which they didn't spend $7 million on anybody that was on the team last year. Mm-hmm. Okay? Uh, I, I look at these things, and I think maybe they look at 2022 as that bridge the gap year. They look at it as that year where it's like, look, we need to start seeing improvement on the field this year so that we can enter next offseason and, and kind of start to go for it. And I think there's reasonable expectation that's going to be true. I think uh, if you look at what they've done in the offseason, they they made two major league signings. That's more than they made last year. Um, now, I don't know if you can call Rugnet Odor a very he, quality he, major a, league wasn't signing. Wasn't he a minor league signing? Uh, I believe he was major league. He, okay. he was definitely the major league minimum uh, is what okay. he was. Oh, that's right, that's right, that's right. Right, so it, he's not a really quality major league signing, but it is one, and it shows that he they're... He punched Jose Bautista in the face. He and did he hits, that. And, and he's hit 30 home runs a few times. Right, I mean, he, he's had his flashes of, of greatness in the past, and he was a guy who came up with Texas who, you know, many people called one of the, the better second basemen in the game at the time. He had a great 2016, 2017, but that guy's kind of past us now. But anyway... The point is, is that the Orioles definitely made an effort early on to sign free agents and major league free agents, and they have once the lockout ends, plenty of time to do the same again. They have, you know, they I think I, I still believe they're going to go get another pitcher, and they're going yeah. to go, they're oh, gonna yeah. go get a major league catcher, and they're going to go get a major league shortstop. Oh, yeah. I, I, I firmly believe that they will have signed as many as five or six major league free agents. Probably not six, but I think they, they will have signed as many as four or five. Well, I mean, they need a catcher. Right? I mean, that's that's blatantly obvious. You have Adley Rutschman coming, but you have nothing behind that. I mean, yeah. J- Jacob Nottingham, you don't know what you're getting there. And the, and the other, they signed one uh, more ben guy Boom. as well. Right, so Anthony Ben-Boom. And you just ben don't... Boom. Right, Ben Boom. Yeah, I said that kind of weird, but look, you you don't know what you're getting with those guys. They have very little major league service time, and they're guys who really haven't performed that well with the bat in the minors, so they're they're probably more defensive minded. So you need to sign that veteran, like a you know Wilson Ramos or something like that. Yeah, and and here's the other thing, man. If you're an Orioles fan, and you know how bad the team has been, you're in the middle of a lockout, mm-hmm. and you're. You're trying to talk about baseball, and there's just not much going on. Mm-hmm. What is the point of going into the season with all the negativity? There's what, none. What is the point in that? Like, you can't get yourself excited for anything about this team. Like, like I mean, personally, I'm excited for Ryan Malcastle, Austin Hayes, the arrival of Rutschman. I mean, there's a lot to be excited about. Like. Look, I understand the Orioles have been the Orioles have been really bad the majority of my life. They've had mm-hmm. thirteen winning seasons my entire life. They've had five playoff appearances my entire life, and I'm on the wrong side of thirty. I get it, but like I still find a reason to get excited about this team. No, my I would much rather be my reason is, hey, they could win ninety five games and make a run of the title this year. 
But my reason is, like you said, Ryan Mountcastle and Adley Rutschman and Grayson Rodriguez and Kyle right. Stowers and getting to see right. a, a, a major league pro- uh, finally the the pieces of a major league product on the field. Yep. Uh, you can find something every year to get right. excited about. And if you're not, if you can't, just take a break. Take a break. Yep. You know, the, plenty of people hop off the bandwagon. And as soon as the Orioles get good, they start rocking their gear. No again. one's forcing you to watch. Yeah, nobody's forcing you to watch, man. Like, you can take a break and then come back. People might give you crap for it, but there's no law that says you can't leave the team and then come back. Uh, that's what free agents do all the time. So become a free agent fan until they get good again and then come back and we'll only give you crap about it for like six months. All right? Uh, we got to move on. Zach, you have something you want to sound off about, something really important that you want to sound off about. Yeah, a pretty interesting hire uh, in baseball this week. Uh, Rachel Balkovec it was hired as the manager of the Yankees' uh, single-A team, the Tampa Tarpons. Uh, she's the first female manager in – did I say that wrong? Or are you just <laughs> – okay, <laughs> making sure I said that right, um, and especially your name as well. I'm going to get it right. Uh, but, so the, uh, what, what is a tarpon? I have no idea. Is it, is it like one of those um, – is it like one of those like – I'm going to look this up. Pitchfork things that like – um, Tampa King, tarpons. King. Uh, well, I mean, well, yeah, we, we need to find out what a tarpon is before I can continue to do this. Um, a tarpon is apparently some kind of fish. So oh, there's that. Okay, the Tampa, it, the Tampa tarpons. So they're a fish. Anyway, she's the first female manager in baseball history. Uh, shouldn't really surprise anyone, I guess. It's, it's generally been a, a very male-dominated industry for, for a long time. But I think we're starting to see that kind of change here, and that's obviously good. You know, the Giants have hired uh, female coaches. I believe right now there are 11 female coaches across the entirety of baseball, including minor league and major league baseball. But the Yankees hired her to be the manager of their single-A team, Tampa Tarpons. Um you know, they're, they're, when we talk about this, we talk about gender in sports and, and gender in baseball. I think the emphasis and what you know people are really fighting for, the equality of it, is just hiring the person who mo- is most qualified yeah. for the job. And Rachel clearly is most qualified for the job. She's in her mid thirties and she's been around in baseball for a little while, and she you know she clearly is very very good at what she does. And people like this. You know, deserve to be hired. Kim Kim Ing uh, for the Miami Marlins, the GM of the Marlins. Uh, again, someone who was around in baseball for a very long time and deserved to be a GM way before she got the chance because of these lines that are drawn between genders in, in sports today. But we really should put be putting an emphasis on hiring the most qualified person like Kim Ing was, like Rachel Bakovec is. So to me, this is a, a big step for baseball. And just, you know, I, I really would like to see the best people being hired for the job. And this is just, that's that's what's really cool to see is someone like this breaking the barrier and being the first female manager as well. It's super important because you're it seeing is. it You're seeing it in the NFL, you're seeing it in, in the NBA. NFL's really doing it yeah, well, yes. It, it, this is, if they're the most qualified, they should be the ones exactly. out there. Exactly, exactly. Uh, and th- that's... Everyone's got to get the same chances is what we're trying to say. That's the beginning and the end of, the, uh, of it, right. really. If, if you're the most qualified, if you give that team the best chance to right. win, if you're the, the person that's respected the most to run that ball club, then that then you should be the one running if that ball club. If you're the best at your job, you, regardless of anything else, you should be getting that job. I, exactly. And I, you've, you said it perfectly. There's not really much I, I, else I can add on to it. We're, we're in, a, we're in a, a time now where women are doing more than they've ever done before. And I think it's so important. I think it sucks it's taken this long, but I think th- yeah. this is a big deal. It is a big and, deal. and it should be treated as such. Right. And you know, I, I'm wishing her all the success, all the success in the world. I hope she goes out there and, and, and you know, not for the Yankees' perspective. You know, be, not not for for the Yankees' standpoint because I still want their team to fail miserably. But mm-hmm. I hope that she has uh, professional success doing what she's doing. Yes, yes. Now I wish it could have been for, for for like 
the Mets or something like that. <laughs> right. Yeah, you but good, I mean? good on the Yankees for for doing that. That's yeah, that's yeah. a great no, no, move by for the real. It's, it's it's an important thing. So very well done, Zach. Nice Thank nice you. segment today. So we're going to move on now to Orioles banter here and uh, Dan Conley. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get that little banter, banter. thing in. Uh, yeah. Dan Conley put up a. Um, as soon as he put this this up, I decided I wanted to do it because I feel like these are questions that we can answer and then expound upon. Um, he put up a. Uh, fan survey back on Thursday, January thirteenth. Just a couple, just a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've not seen this fan survey. I'm looking forward to seeing it though. Yeah, and um, I, so, I, so yeah, we, so I usually enjoy these a lot. I, by the way. I, I took the survey. Okay. Um, I don't know what the results were, but we're okay. just gonna we're gonna do this one Let's again. Are you still behind the club's rebuilding plan? Yes, there was a lot of work to do, and I'm now seeing positives. Yes, but I need to see some improvements soon to stay on board. I'm having some doubts. I've lost faith. I never supported the total rebuild. Yes, but I'm going to need to see some improvement. That's what I chose. That's to. my answer. Yeah, I, I, I feel like we it can't wa- go on forever. It can't, and and it's not forever. That's really only they've only really done three, two, two full seasons. Yeah. This is going to be their third full season yeah. of the rebuild, but it's been they've had five. Was it 17, 18, 19, 20, 21? They've had five straight losing seasons, right. and. Two seasons in which they lost 110 or more games. Right. The other one, 108. So it's. Uh, I look at it as almost three full because once you count in, once Manny Machado was traded away, that's when I really felt like they went into the rebuild, even before Elias. Uh, yeah, because of all arrived. the trades they, they made, which so if really you, haven't helped the team at all. Right. So if you combine July 31st on from 2018 and then the 2020 season, I think it looks you're looking at almost three full seasons. You're looking at four. I guess yeah, technically yeah. yeah. You're basically looking at four seasons. Uh, so yeah, no, you're um. No, you're right. You're looking at three full. I was going to say, I think a- it's th- yeah. Entering the fourth season, yeah. I-, I agree with you. Yes, but I need to see some improvement soon to stay on board. Yep. Uh, you can't just keep losing 100 to no. 115 games every year. You have to figure out how to get better. Right. On the field, you've already had a ton of top five draft picks. Mm-hmm. You've had a number one overall pick, hopefully twice now. It- right. It's time to to show some stuff at the major league level. You've are al- yep. you can't go higher than number one. No. In the farm <laughs> no. system, there's not there's not, there's not right. a one A and a one B. You can't get higher. But a Acquiring more, more depth would certainly yeah. not. Would and, certainly and that's what they're the doing with the international stuff. Right. All right. Compared to this time last year, what is your optimism concerning the org- organization? More optimistic, less optimistic, about the same? I'd say about the same. Um, I don't really feel too differently. Um, I guess most of what I expected to happen in 2021 happened in 2021 with the Orioles. I feel like that. So I, I wouldn't say it's really changed. I think I'm, I'm still kind of in the same spot with the rebuild, my feelings about the team, and the optimism. It's all kind of in the same spot for me. For me, I am more optimistic. Okay. Um, because, so you saw Adley Rutschman come out and, and start out like gangbusters last yes, year. And yeah. then, he, then he hit a little bit of a midseason swoon. Changed the swing up a little bit, and then he was a monster mm-hmm. down the stretch. Kyle Stowers, who yep. I was really excited about when they drafted him, he burst onto the scene at yep. the minor league level, and he's going to have an impact on this team this year. I, I, for one, take them moving the wall back as something that's going to attract free agents, and I think that they yep. know that that time is... Because well, they could have played this year with that wall and changed next year. I sure. think that, that means that maybe... maybe Things are starting is, to change. Things are starting yeah. to, to rev up a little bit. Um, and then spending $7 million on Jordan Lyles. Being willing to spend like that, that kind of money, I, I think it shows that maybe that they're start, that they're looking at turning that corner here sooner rather yeah. than later. So I'm more optimistic uh, this year. 
How would you describe the pace of the club's current rebuild? Moving quicker than expected, moving slower than expected, about what I expected. Definitely slower than expected, but not because of their fault. It wasn't, you know, wasn't the it, the Orioles had no control over it. It was COVID. Yeah, for me, it's slower than expected, yeah. but that's because as a fan, you're like, all right, we can lose 100 games for three years, and now yeah. now you're five years into lo- into into losing, and you're like, oh, we're doing this again. But the rebuild looks completely different if yeah. COVID doesn't happen. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I think that I, mean, I know Rutschman would have been here this year. Oh, easy. Yeah, uh, for sure. Without COVID, you probably have Heston Kerstad. And they could have been well. a 70-something win team by now. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. Uh, what has been the most exciting aspect of the rebuild? Improvement on the farm system, dedication to the international amateur market, overhauling of the analytics department, streamlined use of new technology from minors to majors, getting top five overall draft picks for four straight <laughs> years or other. I mean, I would have to say the farm system. I, when you look at the international pipeline, and then I, I think two of those answers almost blend into that other one, because mm-hmm. if you look at the international pipeline, that has to do with restocking the farm system, and then getting top picks is also restocking the farm system. So for me, the, the development of the farm system from 27th when Michael Elias took over, now to first, huge change. Yeah, and th- it's and that, just been, that, that happened quickly. Right, and, and we, it's tangible. You can see it. So it's not right. something that, you know, like analytics, yeah, we, we hear about it, but we don't necessarily see see the changes it makes at this point but you can actually see this this farm system just getting infinitely better oh i, I absolutely agree and that's what's going to fuel your future winning teams so mm-hmm. for me it's a, it's a, the improvement of the farm system as well what has been the most frustrating aspect of the rebuild multiple hundred lost seasons an inferior big league product with few major league caliber players on the roster which is uh, an awful pitching staff waiting for quality reinforcements seeing other teams in the division excel Lack of mm. fundamentals on a consistent basis. Pitching staff, the pitching uh, or, staff, or other. The pitching staff has been unbelievably frustrating. I, I just sometimes I just don't even want to watch the Orioles because of how bad the pitching has been, and it's it, the hitting overall in the rebuild. It hasn't been great, but it hasn't been awful. It, mm-hmm. It's been fine, but the pitching has been unbelievably terrible for so long now, and it's 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 that that would. Probably be the most frustrating point for me. For me, the most frustrating thing is I'm going to go with other. Orioles. Okay. It's watching teams go into rebuilds after the Orioles and start to see things okay. rev up more quickly. Like That's the, also like, fair. Like the Tigers, the Texas Rangers. Uh, Tigers got good so quick. Yeah. The 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 Blue Jays. The Blue Jays started to rebuild, rebuild a little bit before the Orioles, but yeah. they got good so fast. I want to say the Tigers did too because I think they had the number one overall pick in 18. So I think they started the, a little bit before, but not that much. Yeah, but but. And their uh, they, their whole timeline was just well just, accelerated. Just, I guess that maybe not the teams that started after the Orioles, but it's more so watching these teams get there more quickly. Sure, it, it, it's frustrating yeah. because it's like it's, it, but it's a it's a different philosophy for each organization. They don't have the same organiz- They don't have the same philosophy that Michael Elias has. What's going on over there? Nothing. 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 No, nothing, re- nothing. Re- re- pertaining to the show. No, <laughs> not pertaining to the show. I think Zach just found out his girlfriend's pregnant. No, that that's not what happened. That's not what happened. <laughs> Um, when do you expect the Orioles to be a legitimate contender in the AL East? 2022? I wish. 2023, 2024, 2025, 2026? The year after I die. <laughs> there's a lot of Is people... Is that an actual... Who, that's an actual... Yeah, the, there's mm. a lot of people that think the year after I die right now. Like this guy, Paul, on, uh, <laughs> on YouTube. Um, 25. 25. A legitimate contender by 2025? <sighs> Wild card contender, yeah. I think they. I think they're a wild card contender by twenty twenty five. That's so late. 
I don't you're, know, man. You're, you're gonna, you're this gonna, division is so good. It's you're, you're so gonna, good. You're going to waste three years of Adley Rutschman before you become a wild card contender? I don't know. I, I'm not confident it happens before then. May, maybe 24, but 25. I think legitimate contender has to be. by 20, I, I think it's an abstract failure if you're not a legitimate contender by 2024. Okay. I, I just do because that's, that's five years, six seasons, really seven if you count 2018. Uh, of trying to get there, like you said, the trades that they made in 2018. For me, it's it, I expect them to be a legitimate contender by 2024. I expect okay. them to be a competitive, fun team by 2023. I, I sure hope so. Look, it, it's I want this to happen as much as anyone. I just look at the division with the Red Sox and the Yankees and the Rays and the Jays, and I just look at it and I go, wow, they're good. Every yeah. team is just good. And the Orioles won more than more games than all of them from 2012 to right. 2016. And right. we didn't really feel like they were in a rebuild. We felt like they were just treading water. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, what should the Orioles do with Trey Mancini? Sign him to an extension ASAP. Trade him before the season starts. Trade him in July. Keep him all season as a veteran leader while trying to re-sign him. Hmm. This one was tough for me. I didn't like Can, can you reread the options? Yeah. Sign him to an extension ASAP. Trade him before the season starts. Trade him in July. Keep him all season as a veteran leader while trying to re-sign him. I don't like the options either here because I don't know what to do with Trey Manzini. It's not that the options are, are bad. I guess I just don't know what to do with him. I, I would say trade him in July. That'd that's be my, that's where I'm leaning yeah. to. Trade him in July. And, and guys, it's not... Be, now look, if Trey Mancini is hitting 280 mm-hmm. in July with 25 home runs... Probably not because they moved the wall back. <laughs> so, okay, I, just can't, I can't. I can't. <laughs> help myself. The wall. That's what we, it should have just been. The bat around the wall. Um, I would say trade him in July, uh, be, just because I don't think he's part of your future. I think he's a nice story, and I uh, he's a great story, and I think he's great for the team, and he's great in the community. But he's thirty years old, mm-hmm. and yep. he just had the wor- arguably the worst season of his career. And understandably why. Yeah. You know, but he, he had, there's no denying he had the worst season of his career. Hopefully he gets back to 2019 Trey in 2022. But I think that if he does, they're going to trade him anyway. Mm-hmm. Because there's not a spot for him. He's a, he's a first baseman who's not really even a first. I mean, he doesn't really have a position. And the Orioles already have that with Ryan Mountcastle. And I think Ryan Mountcastle is ultimately the better hitter. Um, so for me, it's you're going to trade. I, I would trade Trey Mancini in July. You start the year with him. Yep. And if he's doing what he did in 2019, you trade him. If he's not, then you just keep him as a as a veteran presence. Yep, I agree. Is is there any current Oriole you wouldn't trade in a solid deal? Trey Mancini, John Means, Ryan Mountcastle, Cedric Mullins. No one is untouchable or other. Um, current Oriole, so not somebody in the farm system. I think John Means has to be the answer here because John Means is the most unique of those players, meaning that the Orioles have less talent in the minor league system as far as pitching goes than they do with the other positions. So I think John Means would be very hard to, to trade the best pitcher you've developed since Chris Tillman. I enjoy John Means. Me too. I really do. I know who um, you're going to pick. I know exactly who you're going to you know, pick. It's Ryan Mountcastle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have so much faith in that dude. I think that that dude is a game-changing offensive Oh, I, I I don't disagree. I, I, I think that he's a 30-homer, 40-double, or 40-homer, 30-double guy. I think he's going to hit close to 300 the majority of his career. Yeah. His bat is special. And I just, even if he doesn't have a position, I don't want to trade a bat like that. My question for you on that would be, which position is easier to replace, though? 
that's a that's a great point. That and that's why. But I they move the wall back. So they <laughs> <move sides of range laughs> the wall, the wall makes the difference. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, for for me, it's it's Ryan Mountcastle because I'm also not sold on John Means being an ace. Oh, I don't disagree with that at all. I just think the Orioles. He's the best pitcher they've developed since Chris Tillman, and it's been a long time <laughs> since then now. And they've had a very very difficult time in recent years developing pitchers. So I think that you, I, I want to stick personally with the guy that I know is uh, he's already a known commodity. Trust me, it, I get it. If it's not Mountcastle, it's Means for mm-hmm. me. But if you came to me now and said, "Hey, the Orioles are trading John Means and they're getting, you know, this that and the other," but or the, you said they're trading Ryan Mountcastle and they're getting this that and the other, I'd be like, <laughs> I, "I I need I need Ryan Mountcastle in my lineup." Right. Okay. I agree. All right. Um, when should catching prospect Adley Rutschman make his major league debut? Opening uh-huh. Opening day 2022. Once he passes the service time threshold, late April 2022. Once he passes the Super Two threshold, late May 2022. After the All Star break, only when O's development staff believes he is fully ready. Should have been up in 2021. Um, definitely not the last one. Um, I I think it all depends on the new CBA. I think that's going to make a lot of difference to to this question. This is and it's in hard. Your to, opinion? It's hard to answer. I know, but it, I think it also depends. But I I would say. Early May, and that's gonna. Is, is there an other option for this one? No. Oh well, if there was, I would go early May. But I'll well, say but I'll, I'll a, say after the Super Two. That's the same thing as late April. So after the Super Two, I'll go late May. Uh, late May. Okay. Yeah. yeah. For me, it's opening day, twenty twenty-two. He is the star of your franchise, and mm-hmm. whether whether he's on the major league roster right now or not, he's the face of your franchise, in my opinion. Yeah. Cedric Mullins has a lot to say about that right now yeah. because of what he just did. But Adley Rutschman is and is going to be the face of your franchise. Yeah. And the season he just had at two different levels, he got up. He went up to AAA and got better. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, like, what does it? Uh, he's only had one full season. I don't feel like this is a type of prospect that has anything left to prove. And I think the Orioles know I, that too. And I think that if I, I think if the CBA becomes something that makes that helps you avoid service manipulation, he's here on opening day. I don't disagree at all. I, I think he has nothing left to prove. I just believe that. The Orioles won't do it, but maybe my opinion is different than I, what I believe the Orioles will and won't do. I don't know, but I uh, I, I think I, it's safe to say we have no idea what the Orioles are going to do. Yeah, with, I, with anything, I mean, right? They, they built a wall. <laughs> they built the wall. Yeah, exactly, exactly. What is your prediction for Rutschman's career? Mm. Eventual MVP, perennial All Star, uh, similar to Matt Wieters, multiple All Star, good but not great, steady but never an All Star, total bust, <laughs> or no, I'm sorry, that's it, total, or total bust. Don't let some people hear that one. You'll get a lot of angry yeah. Royal fans if you say that. Um, I'm, I'm going to say perennial all-star. I don't know if he's an MVP kind of guy, um, just because catchers generally don't win MVP most of the time. Uh, and they, they he did. And he did in 2011. But um, generally, they don't play enough games, I think, to, to do that. And that would be the reason. So I think perennial all-star. All right. Um, what, what just happened there? Really? Uh, I'm really you, <laughs> you said generally, and I thought oh, okay. generally. generally. <laughs> I, I was it, g- it's from How I Met Your Mother. Okay. Um, I've never seen it. Yeah. Um, you are missing out. I know one of the guys. Isn't one of the guys' name in the show like Barney? Neil Barney. Patrick Harris. B- Barney yeah. Stinson. <laughs> Legend. Mm-hmm. So I, I know. Mary. I know that much apparently. So for me, for Rutschman, it's perennial All Star. Yeah. <laughs> if they hadn't built ma- built that wall, <laughs> maybe <laughs> eventual MVP. <laughs> but for me, it's a perennial All Star. I, mean, I just think that it's so hard to say somebody's going to be an eventual MVP. Uh, I, I mean, we, I I totally agree with that. We haven't seen a, a baseball MVP in Baltimore since 1991. Right. We had never seen a Ravens MVP till 2019. It's so hard. We've seen a lot of stud players. Yeah, 
it's so hard to predict that, but I'm going to say he's a perennial all-star. I, I, I agree. I, I think he'll be an all-star. I think Matt Weider sometimes was an all-star because of his name. And I think Adley yeah. Rutschman, number yeah. one overall pick, if he's even average, he'll be an all-star. Yeah, I don't disagree at all. Uh, when should pitching prospect Grayson Rodriguez make his major league debut? Opening day 2022, after the 2022 All-Star break. Whenever he shows he can dominate AAA hitters in 2022 or 2023. I don't like any of these options, actually. Because I was going to say, uh, I would say after the, the All-Star break is when I would bring up Grayson Rodriguez. But uh, if I have to pick one here... You just did. You said, I would say after the All-Star break is when... That's your opinion. Okay, we'll go with that. That's what you picked. We'll go with that. <laughs> um, I would say whenever he shows he can dominate AAA, AAA hitters in 2022. So if he, okay. if he's dominating in April, bring him up in May. Okay. If he's dominating in June, bring him up in June. My problem with that one is I, I feel like there's no chance he doesn't dominate them. Yeah. If you can uh, dominate Bowie, because most of the good prospects yeah. are at the AA level, or I should say the majority of the, the good prospects are at the AA level. So the competition might even be better. So I, I would say he's going to dominate. If him. if he has a 450 ERA, I, I'm not ready, no, to, I'm not ready no. to bring him up. That's somebody you call up in late August, early right. September. Right. Uh, what is your prediction for Grayrod's career? He said Rodriguez is, but that's. I said mm-hmm. it anyway, right? Uh, the rare major league ace, consistent top of the rotation starter, solid mid rotation starter, inconsistent back end starter, total bust, Cy Young Award candidate once he leaves the organization. Not that one. Can I, can I get f- first few choices again? They're hard to remember all the, at once. The <laughs> rare major league ace. No. Consistent top of the rotation that, starter. That's the one I want. That's that's mine too. Yes. Uh, and again, it's so hard. It's like saying Adley Rutschman is going to be an MVP. Okay. Uh, I mean, John Means. We we like to use the term ace whenever you have the be- for the best pitcher on your team. But John Means isn't an ace. He did throw a no hitter and he was so dominant the first month or two of the season. But he is he's not what I would consider an ace. If Grayson Rodriguez uh, gets to that level, I expect Grayson Rodriguez to be better than John Means. But ace is he going to be Max Scherzer? Is he going to be Clayton Kershaw? Is he going to be Jacob? DeGrom? Yeah, I don't know about if that. He, I, I think he could. But I'm not going to sit here and say he will. It's like like you said. It's like saying Rushman's the MVP. It's just kind of it, it's a it's a big ask of someone. You got to get out there before that. I can say it. Right. right. You got to get. It, it's definitely one of those things. Where it's such an easy thing to say, but you re- you got to get there. I was hoping. I, I is this quiz something you have to? Is there a paywall in front of it? I'd really like it, to yeah, find it so I can read the choices. It's, it's for the athletic. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, which Orioles prospect besides the top two are you most excited about? Okay. Colton Kalser, D.L. Hall. Gunnar Henderson, Heston Kerstad, Kyle Stowers, Jordan Westberg. Oh my God, a lot, a lot of choices. Or somebody else. Uh, Kowser. Colton Kowser. You know, for me, it's Kyle Stowers. Because okay. I think that his, his debut is imminent, and I loved what he did last year. Um, he had the most home runs in RBIs and one of the highest OPSs in, in the, in the, in the uh, organization. Mm-hmm. That's fair. For me, it's because he's the closest. See, for me, it's actually between Henderson and and Colton Kowser. But the reason I picked Kowser is because I feel like Kowser, out of all of those guys, is the one that's the most refined and the one that has the most tools, the most complete package out of all of them. Um, I know a lot of people probably said D.L. Hall to this one because D.L. Hall has, you know, he's a big name, but. D.L. Hall makes me the most nervous. I would say he, yes, he's a, a huge reliever risk for sure. Um, and the the guy is has yet to show a consistent command over a period of time. So that's that's the problem with D.L. Hall. Which inexperienced Orioles starter has the best chance of stepping forward in 2022? Just just I'm not going to mm-hmm. name you ten guys. Just name one. Okay. Uh, Zimmerman. I'm going to go with Zimmerman. He's he's the last option on this okay. list. 
Uh, for me on this list, I picked Michael Michael Ballman. Okay. I, I really like what he brings to the table. A lot of people think he's going to end up a back-end guy. I think he could stick in the rotation, but I think that he has an opportunity to, to seize a job in spring training, and I hope he does. I really loved what I saw from Bruce Zimmerman last year, and I, I have a lot of confidence he can do that again. I've spoken about his curveball so much. I love his curveball. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really solid. Um, I, I think the biggest thing is with, with Ballman is just that there's going to be a little bit of a – a transition period, you know, mm-hmm. between just coming up from AAA, I think there's going to be a little bit of a difference there, um, and that's why it's going to take him some time to kind of get acclimated to the major leagues. And we saw that. I mean, he he didn't have a ton of success last year, but Ballman is a much better pitching prospect, in my opinion, than that of Bruce Zimmerman and even a lot of guys. I would put Ballman up there with Deal Hall. I think they're very, very I, uh, similar talent wise. I look at Mike Ballman and I, th- I see a guy who might struggle to start. Mm-hmm. Um, to be, he might struggle at the start. Right. But I think once he gets a good start or two under his yeah. belt, he's a guy who hits a groove and stays in it. He's that long and lanky type pitcher. I mean, those yeah. always seem to work out pretty well. So, All right, we are down to the final three questions. Okay. So these are a rating on a one to five. Okay. One is no confidence, five is full confidence, and then you, you know the numbers in between. You went to kindergarten. Uh, how confident are you in GM Mike Elias? Um, and wait, so five is the highest, one's the lowest. Okay. Um, four. I, I picked four also because yeah. the one thing he hasn't done is put a winning product is put a better product right. on the field. I, I don't want to ever say I'm fully confident in anyone. Yeah, ever for yeah. anything. Then, you, then if they <laughs> I, fail, you have egg on your face. Exactly. Exactly. How confident are you in manager Brandon Hyde? Um, two. I find there's very little evidence to believe that he's anything uh, special as a manager. I think yeah. we're, we we have yet to see that, but I, that's not I, his fault. I put a three. Because okay. literally, you you can't evaluate him. They've right. given him nothing right. to evaluate him with. I think that you ask me again at the end of this coming season, right? How I feel about Brandon Hyde because I think right. he's going to have more talent to work with. Um, people around baseball think he's a great baseball guy, and they think he's the guy to do this job. Mm-hmm. So I tend to line up with them. Right. Uh, but I have to see it for myself. So for right, right. now, he's right in the middle. He's a three. Yeah, I mean, do I have confidence in him at this moment? Not really. Yeah, can you have confidence? I, I, right, the Orioles? right. You know? I, I don't know how to feel about that question. How confident are you in club ownership led by John Angelos? Oh, okay. Um, three. Yeah. I don't. Know. I don't know. I, I really feel like I. I think with Peter, you kind of got more of what you were expecting to th- get. Um, where you almost, you know, you you got what you expected. Really is, is what I'm trying to say with that. And, and with John, I feel like he runs the team a little bit quieter. There's mm-hmm. not as much vocal. Um, I guess coverage of the Orioles from from John Angelos. So I think that. It's a little bit of a uh, a differently run team than his dad did it, and I think that it doesn't really give me a lot of confidence because I don't know what he's doing behind the scenes, but I, it also doesn't really leave me lacking with confidence either. Yeah, so for, I'll, I'll for right me, in the middle. For me, it's a three also because when he really started taking over the team and running the team was when the Orioles were really bad. Mm-hmm. And so I have to see how he runs a team. Right. When they're good. Like Hyde and Elias. Right, exactly. With, with, with Elias... I think he can do whatever Angelos allows him to do. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what's John Angelos going to allow Mike Elias to do? When the yeah. Orioles are in a position where they need to go spend some money on a couple of free agents to get them over the hump, mm-hmm. is he going to let them do that? This is, for me, it's got to be a three because I don't know that he won't and I don't know that he will. Yeah. All right. Uh, so, that was our uh, Orioles banter segment today. It was brought to you by. 
uh, underdog fantasy football. And while we can bet brick and mortar here in Maryland, we still can't bet online or on our phones. However, if however you can feel like you're betting totally legally and right on your phone by playing underdog fantasy football. Player props, parlays, and traditional fantasy games are all available, and we're going to give you some free money to play with thanks to our friends at Underdog Fantasy Football. Go to underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy app. Use the code PRESSBOX, and whatever you download up to $10, we will match. That's right up to one. I'm sorry, whatever you download up to $100. We will match. That's right up to $100 when you use the code PRESSBOX with Underdog Fantasy Football. They are giving you a free pick this week, but you have to use it as part of a parlay. Stefan Diggs over under one receiving yard. It's a freebie. It's a freebie. I think I'll have more than that. (laughs) So you can line that up in the parlay, and you get one of them automatically right. So, all right, we got to catch a break. When we come back, we'll close things out with some Orioles trivia here on the Bataround. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgambling.com. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. The latest issue of Press Box is available now, and it's our very special annual Best of Issue on the cover. We celebrate Justin Tucker as our Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year, honoring his historic on-field achievements, but also the unprecedented relationship he shared with Baltimore. Inside, we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of 2021, including Cedric Mullins' incredible season and the dominance of local Paralympic athletes. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. The great Kurt Angle. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Le Champion. Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today.
All right, there is a new era of Glenn Clark Radio as the Bataround's own Paul Valley took over as the show's co-captain. The show remains the definitive place to find the best daily discussion of Baltimore sports. Watch the show at facebook.com slash pressboxsports. Listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio. You never know who might pop up on GCR. This week, the guys caught up with Calvert Hall alum Ben Bender, the number one pick in this week's MLS draft. Maryland legend Len Elmore and Baltimore native Kenji Bahar, who spent his rookie season with the Ravens, and Dave Ginsburg unveiled his Baseball Hall of Fame ballot. Find those interviews and more in the Glenn Clark Radio Week in Review feature at, right now at PressBoxOnline.com. I didn't know you caught up with Ben Bender. I'll have to go back and watch that segment because I, I was yeah. watching the MLS draft, um, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a DC United fan, so... Um, United. Is that is that how I said it? I got this Baltimore accent thing, apparently. But... Um, yeah, Ben Bender is a Maryland guy, Calvert Hall. I mean, that I, I honestly did not know any, who he was. Like, I, I had no idea. But the guy is is apparently really good. And to go first overall in any sort of draft is, is crazy impressive. I think I turned you down a little too much. I was going to say, I, 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 don't, I don't really hear myself here. Yeah, there you, we go. You were, there like, we go. blasting in my ears. Oh, my but, bad. Okay. But, uh, no, all good. Yeah, Ben Bender, great kid, man. Mm-hmm. One, one of the things that stood out about that interview was Glenn asked him um, – there was about a two-week period where, where, like, Charlotte had gotten in contact with him and been like, hey, we want to take you first overall. And mm-hmm. then there was, like, a, a, a period where they they said we were thinking about taking you first overall. Then there was a period where you didn't hear about them. So we started okay. thinking about, okay, I'll, I'll go back to Maryland, try to win a national championship. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they ended up taking him. And he got almost choked up talking about yeah. not being able to go back to Maryland and go after a national championship because yeah. he had another year of eligibility. Sure. But when you get taken number one overall in any sport, you go. The, the, there's no higher than that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, it, you go. But he was up. You could tell that it bothers him a little bit that he doesn't get to try and run it back yeah. with his friends and with, with his teammates and try and win a national championship because they fell short this year. And, and Glenn said, you know, when you go to when you go to play soccer at the University of Maryland, you go there to win a national championship. Yes. When yeah. you go to play basketball at Duke, you go there to win a national championship. When you go to play football at Alabama, you go there to win a national championship. Yep. It's what yep. these schools are good at, right? So it was heartbreaking for him. They never got. They never won one, and I, I, you could just tell that he was that the one thing that bothers him is not being able to try it again. Yeah. No. I mean, it's it, it's amazing to me. And, and again, I did not know. I, I don't really follow the MLS draft too hard. So I, I didn't I wasn't really aware of him, but I, I know that Maryland is a top soccer program and, and he went to Calvert Hall. And, and they went to Calvert Hall. And that's awesome to see a guy from the Baltimore area uh go number one in any draft. I mean that, yeah. that's pretty cool. And Kenji Bahar went to Calvert Hall also. Yes you did. Yeah, yep. which, it, it's super cool seeing all the and, and then there's a there's a punter uh for Virginia Tech who punted okay. against Maryland who went who went to Calvert Hall. Okay. And he's one of the top punters in the country as a freshman. Okay. Like, it, phenomenal. It, it, it's crazy the athletes coming out of Calvert Hall. There's some amazing guys coming out. I, I believe it's St. Joseph's, mm-hmm. I want to say, in Baltimore, has produced uh the Fuller brothers in the NFL and uh multiple basketball players and I mean they, the some of these private schools in Baltimore produce incredible talent. The athletes in Maryland as a whole mm-hmm. are fantastic. Yes. And, and that's why like it bothers me when Maryland doesn't get more uh, big Coverage, name recruits yeah. and, and and stuff like that. Like, there's some phenomenal. Yes. Uh, there's phenomenal athletes everywhere, but Maryland's one of the standout states, in my opinion. I agree for, for high school athletes. Um, all right, ready for some Orioles trivia? Probably close my computer for this. Okay, all Orioles right. trivia, not MLB. Okay, this, this is this is Orioles. Trivia. Okay, all right, seven players <laughs> in Orioles history have collected 80 or more extra base hits in a single season. Mm-hmm. In total. The feat has been accomplished eight times, meaning one of the players did it twice. Okay. Who are the seven players? <laughs> and as a bonus, in what year did they do it? Wow. Okay. 
Um, Ken Singleton is my, my first guess. No. No. Damn. Okay. Uh, how about Cedric Mullins? No. Not this year, really. Wow. Mm-hmm. Felt like he definitely had... Well, because he had 30 homers, he had 35 yeah. doubles, that's 65, which means he would have had to have 15 triples. Yeah, that's true. Um, you got to think about, like, ooh. prolific R- Ripken. Cal Ripken. Tied for third. Okay. There were more players in this, but they were part of the Browns franchise, okay, so I don't, yeah, I don't yeah. count it. Uh, Cal Ripken. Uh, I'll get the year. Hold up. Um, 83. No. 92. Or 91. Sorry. 90, 91. 91. Cal Ripken. Yeah. 85 in 1991. He is tied with another player who also had 85. Frank Robinson? Frank Robinson, 1966. Okay. Very good. Go ahead. Um, I mean, we'll try Brooks. I don't know. He no. never hit a lot of home runs. Um. How about Chris Davis? Chris Davis, number one. Yeah, 2013. 96 extra base hits in 2013. Yeah. You were correct. Uh, Boog Powell? No Boog. No, no, no Boog? Okay. Um, Brady. Brady Anderson. Brady Anderson, yeah. number two. Mm-hmm. 92. Yeah. What year? Uh, no, the year he hit 50 home runs. Um, 96 or 95? It was 96. 96. Okay. It was, it was okay. 96. All right. So you've got the top, <laughs> you've got the top four. All right. You've got four left. Um, mm, this is gonna get harder. Adam Jones. I'm sorry, you have three left. One oh, of them did it twice, and not Adam Jones. How about Manny? No. Um, Paul Blair. Um, no. Paul mm. Blair. That's not a great choice. Mm, I don't know. I'm just I'm just throwing I'm just throwing uh stuff at the wall right now. See what sticks. Um, man, this is this is actually very difficult. This is actually um. How about uh Palmero? Rafael Palmero is the player that did it twice. Okay. 81 okay. and 80. Which years? I have no idea. Keep Honestly. Mind, he was only here 94 to 98. Yeah, I was going to say 95 was my first guess. No. Okay. Um, 97? No. 19, <laughs> he, <laughs> nice. he did 81 in 1996. Nice. And 80 in 1998. you got to remember, he hit, four, I, he hit 43 home runs in 98. I'm really pretty lost on his entire career. I don't know much about his career at all. So what does it say? Pal- Palmero. He was hitting like 310 with 23 home runs when mm-hmm. the strike happened in 94. Okay. Then in 95, he hit 39 home runs. In 96, he hit 39 home runs. In 97, actually, I think he hit 39 home runs again. Okay. And then he hit, because uh, I always, or maybe it was one of those years he hit 37, I want to say. But it was, I always remember him hitting 39 home runs and then him finally breaking through with uh, getting past 40, but then he hit 43 in 98. Um, uh, Mark so Trumbo. Had, no. Really? That's cra- that's crazy. Cause that's it, surprising. It, 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 you would have thought it was a guy with that kind of power would have right, had, right. had 33 doubles. Uh, Mark Reynolds? No. Okay. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not doing very well with this. Uh, Mark Reynolds was, was all literally all or nothing. Yeah. Uh, Luke Scott. Possibility? No. I will tell you this guy was tied with Palmero with 81. One of these guys. Okay. Um, what, what year? Like, Are we talking modern-ish? Are we talking... Uh, Since the turn of the decade... Okay. I mean, I mean, since the turn of the century. I was going to say decade. I was going to say it'd have to be a guy then 2020 ups. So that would be a little bit. Uh, turn, turn, of the turn of the century. Okay. So someone. Oh, uh, Tejada. Miguel Tejada, yeah. 81 okay. in 2005. And you were missing one. And this guy. Again, uh, uh, turn of the century. Forward. Yes. Melvin Mora? No, but that's a good guess. He has some really good years. He but did. He, but you, you got to think of a guy who 
had a lot of homers and a lot of doubles. Yeah. Because Melvin Moore, I think, his career J- high J- was... Jake Fox in spring training. <laughs> yeah, J- Jake Fox had 80 extra base hits in spring training 2010. Right. Yeah. Melvin Moore had 27 home runs as his high. Okay, his, yeah. his career yeah. high. So I got to think of a power hitter. Probably not that recent, I would think. Um, so probably more early 2000s. This is really difficult for me. Not early 2000s. Not early 2000s. So. It's in the it's in the the alts. In the alts, okay. But um, it's not early. Man, I I might need a hint here. I'm I'm blanking on this one. This last one. I, I'm I'm having trouble. He is widely hated. Oh, widely hated. Okay. Um. Widely hated. There, I mean, people hate a lot of it. <laughs> it wasn't Chris Davis again, was it? <laughs> I mean... Uh, he famously used this word that Stan used twice today. Oh, 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 oh. It's the guy on Twitter that goes nuts about everything. You don't um, remember his name? I'm, I'm having, I blocked him so long ago on there that I, I, I do not like this guy. His first name hold on, hold on, hold on. is I, <laughs> Asexual. I, I know exactly who this is, and I just am... Ha- Aubrey Huff. That's Aubrey what it is. Huff. It's Aubrey Huff. 82 yeah. extra base hits in 2008 because he had 34 homers yeah. and he had 48 doubles. That was some hard trivia, I'll be honest with you, because I Aubrey Huff is never a name that... Cr- when I think Orioles, I don't think Aubrey Huff, yeah. ever. I, I don't know. He's just... I feel like I would have gotten it more quickly than you. Maybe. But I definitely... Aubrey Huff would have been one where I would have needed it. I, I because you don't Aubrey think Huff. Of, yeah, you don't <laughs> think about Aubrey Huff. The coolest thing he ever did... I can't remember. I, I, maybe it was off of Jabba Chamberlain. He, I think it was off of Jabba Chamberlain. He hit a home run off of him, and as he's running down the first base, he gives he gives this, yeah. <laughs> I don't remember Woo! that. As he's running down the first <laughs> base, because Ch- Chamberlain, I, the, it, whoever the pitcher was, I think it was uh-huh. Chamberlain, either the inning before or the game before, yeah. struck somebody out and like overtly celebrated really? on the mound, like real fire now, maybe, maybe deserve it then. I, I, I'm almost certain it was Chamberlain. Mm. And so when Huff homered off of him, <laughs> he like lay, made a spectacle out of it. And I thought that was the coolest thing. And then he called Baltimore a, a yeah. horse-ass town. And No then, longer a fan of Aubrey Huff. Yeah, he's a, he's kind of a, a, a garbage human being. Uh, he, I don't disagree. He, he, he and but A-Rod having, having martinis together. You, you, yeah, you're right. You know what I always think about when I think of uh, Joba Chamberlain is, you, have you ever seen the Midges game where all those Midges were on his head and he couldn't, he had to leave yeah, the game? Yeah, that, that was in, that I, was in I, Cleveland. Yeah, I, right. And I, I always think of that when I think of Joba Chamberlain. That's, that's like the first thing. It's disgusting. Is it Joba or Jabba? I guess I, I call know. him Jabba because it's Jabba the Hutt and he got really fat. I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. Um, but, but that yeah, was... Uh, he was he was a really good pitcher for a little while, right there. He was uh, supposed to be, but like when he first re- came up, I remember him up, being really good. And, it, and he was supposed to be, and then he kind of mm-hmm. fell off a cliff. Yeah. Um. So very good. All right. That was that was good trivia. Remember, you got trivia for me next. Sounds week. good. Uh, NFL playoffs start today. <laughs> uh, I believe it's four thirty. You have the Raiders at the Bengals, and yeah. then tonight you have the third matchup between New England and the Buffalo Bills. Who you got tonight? Um, Bengals for sure. I don't see the Bengals losing. I don't think the Raiders are a very good football team. Uh, Bengals. And then, um, you know, Patriots-Bills is a good game, but I I like the Patriots. Yeah, the, the thing about Patriots-Bills is Bill Belichick. Yeah. In yeah. the playoffs, Bill Belichick. Bills-Belichick. Bills-Bills-Belichick. <laughs> uh, I think that... I... I'm gonna take the Raiders really to upset okay. the Bengals today. Okay, no, I can't do it. Joe Joe Burrow is gonna. Throw he's just for, too good. He, he he's gonna throw for over 400 yeah. yards. Um, so uh, no, let, let me let me take that back. The the Bengals okay. are gonna win, but I think it's gonna be close. 
Patriots Bills uh, until he until they prove they can do it. I'm, I I got to take the Patriots. I, I, Bill yeah. Belichick in the in the playoffs. I I just he's think, just too he's too good. Yeah, yeah. And I, and Mac Jones has had an incredible rookie year. I did not see that coming. I wasn't a big fan of Mac Jones out of the draft. I'm very surprised to see the way he's done. Um, you know he's he's been an incredible replacement for Tom Brady. I mean he's not Tom Brady, but he's been good enough to win them a lot of ball games. Tom Brady wasn't Tom Brady in his first year. That's true. I by mean na- by name only. No, I mean and Peyton Manning. I he was horrible his first few years he went as quarterback. Thir- so. you know, he went three and thirteen and threw twenty eight interceptions yeah. his first year. Yeah. And then the next year they went thirteen and three. That's uh, true. Yeah, he he did turn it around, yeah, but. but he, Peyton Manning is my favorite quarterback of all time. Took him like six years to win a playoff game. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. So. And, and people hate on Lamar. Like, right. Get, he, he won one in get, get the way less. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then tomorrow you got Cowboys-Eagles meeting for a third time. You mm-hmm. have... Um, Cowboys will blow them out. Yeah, I think I, that's the easiest game of the week for any team. Uh, you know what? It's not Cowboys-Eagles. It's Cowboys 49ers. Oh, okay. Tomorrow. I, I okay. still think the Cowboys are going to win that game. You got Bucks-Eagles. Yeah. Oh, tomorrow. That, I was thinking the Bucks are going to blow them out. I, I was looking at the schedule earlier and, and thinking the Eagles were going to get blown out. The Bucks it's are going to destroy them. Bucks, Eagles, it's Cowboys, 49ers, mm-hmm. and then what's the other game? Uh, oh, it's uh, Steelers, Chiefs. Steelers, yeah, it's not a good game either. Uh, the I Chiefs think the Steelers will keep it a little bit more interesting, but the Chiefs are going to pull away in the second I actually half. don't. I don't see the Steelers even being in this game from the snap. Um, I, I think this game is going to be a blowout, similar to the Eagles game. Yeah, I... I, I certainly hope so. So I think that we can agree we're going to take the Chiefs. I think yes. the Cowboys are going to blow out the 49ers. Agreed. Uh, uh, Agreed. And, and uh, I'm going to take the Eagles over the Buccaneers. It's Tom. No, I can't. I can't. It's Tom Brady. I can't take Jalen Hurts there's over no, Tom Brady. There's no way Tom Brady doesn't win that game. Right. Right. But even without all those players, right. it's it's Tom freaking Brady. Right. Even you without know, AB now. I mean, but, <laughs> but, but I'll tell you, in 2009, Joe Flacco beat Tom Brady. He did. He the, did in, in the playoffs, and then he did again in 20 in mm, 2012. And if uh, Leo, no, nah, I don't want to talk about him. Or or, or Billy Cundin. <laughs> I don't want to talk about Leo. We have a different name for him in my house. Oh, nice. Um, and then another matchup for the third time this year on Monday Night Football, the first Monday Night Playoff game, Rams. Cardinals. I think that's the best game of the whole week. I think Rams Cardinals is a perfect matchup. Um, Cardinals looked really good to start the year, and then they kind of fell off a little bit. Probably because Kyler was injured for like four weeks. But yeah. I'm gonna go Rams. And they they still lost a couple games in a row with Kyler. They did right. Um, I'm gonna go Rams. Rams are beat up. They are. They're beat up. They are. But I don't think Kyler but it's, looked it, the it's, same. It's in LA. And I, I I just I think the Rams have playoff pedigree. And, and the okay. other thing about the Rams, man, is that they've given away they've literally mortgaged their all future. of their draft picks. They it's have gone. like nothing right for the next for a considerable amount of time. Right. Uh, if you lose in the first round to a division rival in the right. playoffs after doing everything you did, right. How do you live with yourself? I I, yeah. I, I got to take the Rams. I think it's gonna be close, but I got. Uh, I also look at the fact that the Rams beat the Cardinals when they had Kyler Murray, and the Rams were so depleted. They had like nobody. They were so beat up, and they still won that game. So I, I'm I'm gonna take the Rams. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I I think that's gonna be the best game of the week, though. I think it could be like a 35-34 or something crazy like that. It's gonna be close, and both teams will come out firing on all cylinders. But I I think the Chiefs game is gonna be the worst one of the week. Chiefs Steelers is just not competitive. Yeah, I, I mean, I think Chiefs are favored by twelve and a half in that game. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is playing at an unbelievable level right now. The entire Chiefs team is playing at an unbelievable level. They're they're gonna they're gonna win that game. It's crazy, man. Because normally, like I have to work tonight. Normally, like right when that game kicks off, that first game today. Normally, I'd take off on a Saturday, 
uh, during playoffs, and because I, I love to sit there and just watch playoff football. That's all day. what I'm planning to do. Um, yeah. but the money's too good at the restaurant right now. Yeah. I just I, and I need it. I got a bunch of stuff coming sure. up. I, I I I can't do it. It's not the Ravens. So, yeah, it, 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 but even when it, even when it is the Ravens, still it, enjoy it. I sure. still take off on a Saturday to 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 watch the game. Sure. So, but so I'm gonna be watching from the restaurant, um, or maybe I'll just record the games and watch them when I get home afterwards. But either way, really looking forward to the playoffs as I do every year, guys. That's gonna do it for us here on the Bataround. Thanks to our sponsors. Thank you to Stan the Fan Charles for his weekly segment, and thank you to Nathan Ruiz from the Baltimore Sun on a busy Saturday with the international signing period starting today for taking a few minutes to talk with us today. Uh, uh, thank you to our uh, fans, our listeners, our audience for tuning in to the Bat Around each and every week. We certainly appreciate it. Until next week, see ya!